Hello, and welcome to tape six of court-appointed anger management. This sucks. In this tape, we'll be teaching you how to handle some of life situations utilizing techniques that you've seen previously. Our first situation is thus. You go to a baseball game hoping to get inside, only to learn that ticket prices have been raised since you were last there. You have enough money to get in, but you are hoping to save the extra dollars in order to buy candy and other souvenirs. Let's see how Chris handles this situation. Uh, excuse me, I, I see that the ticket price has gone up. Would it be possible, I come here all the time, would it be possible for me to get a discount or perhaps a voucher for a future purchase? Thank you. Now, notice how Chris didn't threaten anybody and notice how he politely asked. <laughs> this will get you nowhere. Now let's see the correct <laughs> way to handle the situation. We got one shot at this. Okay, get me some rope, get me some flare guns and some camo. And I need you to get a bee suit. I know that the costume that the mascot isn't a bee related, but we need a bee suit. Just trust me. Dan, I feel like I did my Shut part up, of the I video. Shut up, I need you to go down. <laughs> did I ask your opinion? I just think we're supposed to be in separate parts of this video. Now, notice how Dan actually took initiative to get into the baseball game. This is something that's necessary in order to get ahead in life. And remember, you have to finish this course in order to... Oh, come on! Bad enough that I do the narration now, the tape isn't working either? Court appointed anger management! Yeah, nice, yeah, that, that's that uh... Good. You have a really good Dan voice. Jesus. Oh, I yeah, I mean... They base this on you, yeah? <laughs> this is your life. Because <laughs> there's always, like, everybody has a show where they're like, oh my god, it gets me. And an unfortunate number of people, it's Bojack Horseman, but I think you found a much more niche property. There's there's a few different characters. <laughs> there's a few different characters that uh, Dan definitely reminds me of, but uh, let's, let's, let's introduce the property uh, so we can complain about it and okay. plot revenge. Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And I'm Cave Guy. The Cave Guy, no one invited you. Go oh, away. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And I'm Joshua. Yeah, great. Always uh, always good to have you. Uh, we had Thanks you for earlier. coming back on. Yeah, yeah we had you, you earlier this on. year for uh, Over the Garden Wall, which was great success all around. I like how that episode came out. And uh, yeah, you, you just you wanted us to look at a few more things while we're still around, while we're still in the rainy season. Well, as I said, this was the main, th this was, I mean, I don't know how much, what was you said? I didn't hear you for a second. I think this is the sixth of seven things that you really wanted us to check out. I think there's one more in the tank. <laughs> so, see, Sonic, ABC, <laughs> Fillmore Disney, Word Girl PBS, Robot Jones Cartoon Network, Garfield, I think that was v syndication. VHS. And now we have the Hub Network. The now Hub. Now I need to think of. I have something WB in mind, but I don't know if I want to rewatch it, and then I have nothing for Nickelodeon. Yes, good. Um, yeah, well, yeah. we've done plenty of WB lately, but the hub is kind of a new entity for us. Um, yeah, I'm actually not sure what kind of programming makes it on there at all. I thought I had a pretty good read on, <laughs> on networks everything. that did animated they series. Kept rebranding. Well, the Hub Network came out in... 2010 and it was the idea of brian goldner who was the head of hasbro at the time and he had the idea of 
merging with another network and sort of creating a channel that families could get together whilst also promoting Hasbro uh, properties. Mm-hmm. And so mm. he recruited Margaret Lesh, who had been really the pioneer behind Fox Kids in the 90s, yeah. to help them develop this network. And they made a deal with Discovery because Discovery Kids was like the lowest of the low in terms of their ratings. That no one, there was nothing that network had going for it. So they you're, merged. You're throwing a lot, around a lot of properties that are like pretty milk toast. Exactly. Hasbro and Fox Kids, and like, how did this happen? What, yeah, the, this the show. Oh, go get to that in a minute. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Because Dan versus uh, ran on the Hub from 2011 to 2013. The Hub, which, as you mentioned, it, it, it used to be Discovery Family or Discovery Kids. They're best known for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Right. Oh, that's a great show. Yeah, and that was really their big... That was kind of the thing that kept them afloat for the very brief period of time they existed because... And again, they went... It was sort of like how Nickelodeon started out and that Nickelodeon was sort of this underground thing and then the Hub Network was kind of underground in and of itself. But at the same time, unlike Nickelodeon where they were having receptionists create shows, yes, there actually was a Nickelodeon show created (laughs) by a receptionist, was it that stick stickly thing? Uh, you know what? No, but I'm pretty sure that was created by somebody in a lower rank within the company. Yeah, just uh, throw some sticks together. Well, Have I some paper mache. I interviewed someone who worked at Nickelodeon at that time. I'll talk about that later if possible. Mm. If we don't run out of time. Yeah. Um, and they, but unlike that, because Hasbro was this you know million dollar toy conglomerate, they were actually able to go after bigger talent. So they went after. Lauren Faust, who had done Foster's Home and all those others, and Powerpuff Girls to do a new My Little Pony show. Mm-hmm. They went after Joe, um, Paul Germain and Joe Ansela Behar to do, um, uh, yeah, uh, to do, who had done Rugrats and had done Recess and had them do uh, Pound Puppies. And then they went to Jeff Klein, who had done Jackie Chan Adventures, and they had him do uh, their the new G.I. Joe that they did. And I can't remember who did Transformers. It might have been... Um, Michael Bay. No, thank God. Uh, I think it was... Um, oh, God. Who did Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go? Yes, that was a real show. Ciro Nelly, I think, did it. I may be wrong on that. Uh, and then they had... Oh, we're not going to fact check you. <laughs> and they had... Um, well, they had, they had Family Game Night, which was their game show, and that was developed by um, the same group that had developed a bunch of stuff whose name I can't remember, which is weird because I'm the game show guy. So they actually were going after top-tier shows, and if you look at their opening slate, that's what they were sort of leading with. Um, But it it rebranded? Like, it it had to rebrand for some reason? So what happened was, uh, it came out in 2010, and it was a cable network, and they really miscalculated the children's television market at the time. They were billing themselves as a family channel, and also, this was... was, um, premium cable it wasn't right standard cable so right not everybody got it in fact a lot of people that I mean, not got it in terms of understood it but got it in terms of were able to view it right but and for that reason so that was one factor the other factor was at the time nickelodeon pretty much just all nickelodeon didn't need to do shit and that's another thing i can tell you all they needed to do was just rerun spongebob yeah that's all <laughs> they needed to do yeah and Car- well i have good yeah. news for you it's over <laughs> They no, they kind of no. That's kind of what they have been doing for decades. <laughs> the other <laughs> fact, the other thing they did not see coming, and no one saw this coming, was the rise of streaming, 
and it happened yeah. right at that point in time, 2010, and it's like no one saw it coming because... I remember that being one of the first shows that, like, I mean, we've been on, like, pirate streaming for a long time now. Um, we? MLP is one of those shows that, like, I didn't know where it was before streaming. Like, it, it felt like it came out with streaming almost. Right, yeah. They were, they were selling it to Netflix, and at the time, the networks thought the same way they thought about DVD, which was, this is aftermarket. Right. People will mm-hmm. watch our channel, and then once we've rerun it a bunch, then we can sell it to streaming, the same way we sell it to a DVD company, put it out, and then we'll get a few more dollars off that. But what they didn't, un- they underestimated was people's patience and their ability to wait. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do I need to get the cable package when I can just wait a year and it'll show up on streaming? And they really shot themselves in the foot. And again, in their defense, no one, it wasn't just the hub network, it was every cable network. None of them saw it coming. Yeah, yeah. this is kind of a Netflix wild frontier. Didn't see Netflix didn't see it coming. They were, that's like if... <laughs> no, this is an yeah. emergent, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, zeitgeist that we yeah. kind of lived through in terms of like programmable media i've compared it to if like the mayor of some podunk town in rhode island suddenly became president wasn't that the plot of the ray romano movie i hated that movie no he became the mayor he was, of Mooseport. he was the president and he yeah. became the mayor yeah Gene Hackman. Oh, that was like Gene a, Hackman's last Like movie. a weirdly lower stakes Prince and the Pauper? Well, <laughs> no, because it was just yeah. him again. <laughs> it was it was him running against the president of the United States, the former president who was now running for governor That's of Mooseport. Right. And that was the last movie Gene Hackman did before he retired, which just sucks because that movie's terrible. Yeah. Um, Josh, I, I, I'm going to just interject right here. Yeah. I will warn you that there is a limit of... Tangents. Of, of media factoids that my brain can handle, at which point I will, uh, just my eyes will glaze over. Um, so, okay. pace yourself, my okay, friend. Let's rewind in, the tape. In, in keeping with this show, in okay. keeping with Dan Versus, Dan Versus. Uh, we will, the Cartoncast will at some point need to seek revenge. Yes. If, there we uh, go. If we do not oh, have... Man. Proper, I have something I want to seek revenge against, so we'll get I'm to so that. I'm so sorry, Zane. You, you must have been sitting on that for like four minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. The one that I wrote down was that we, we are very fine. We're happy, and we don't need revenge, but, you know, time time changes a man. Yeah. But guys, <laughs> I, just... I, 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 I let my anger talk, stew for 20 minutes. <laughs> as we talk about this show, I just want to, guys, make it clear. This is a family show that airs on a family channel that families can watch together. It's yeah. It's yeah, not though. Zane, <laughs> do you have any like? Can can you square the circle on Family Network and Dan versus? Yeah, nobody really knows what Family means. Because like, is SpongeBob Family TV? It, no. Is The Simpsons Family TV? It, like, it, no. the, it's a, it's a, it's a shifting. It target. might be the only but Family TV. Well, the Family sitcom has died. So yeah, right. the, the whole. I mean, the, the, the idea it's of... It's targeted advertising. Like, the, mm-hmm. the window of acceptable yeah. Andre ages has shrunk yeah. because everyone has more access. The, the, yeah. the idea of family TV, for animation, it's much more common now. At the time, yeah. something that the whole family comes around to watch, uh, especially with younger kids, it's probably going to be, you know you know, a game show or something light, like a light sitcom that's kind of straightforward, uh, or, this... or a kid's show that the adults begrudgingly watch. This is family in the sense of, like, teenagers going to be interested in this, and it's a cartoon, so hey, the kids. Teenagers, prisoners, it's It's pretty <laughs> Bojack. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, it's pretty Bojack in, in its marketing, right? Like, in its, in its, in its target voice. audience, yeah. right? But, 
Um, so I don't, I can't conceive of the family that this, this is just straight up adult comedy cartoon. Like, there, I yeah. don't see the, the, like, there's a lot of, like, I mean, look, a bunch of kids programming has violence. Um, mm-hmm. Tom and Jerry and the like. Generally, it's not this, like... This is kind of cruel violence. It's <laughs> like, a difference. It's targeted <laughs> yeah. and it's determined. Mm. Yeah, so um, this is a show uh, about a guy named Dan who basically at the beginning of each episode f- feels aggrieved yeah. at something that's not really yeah. against him. And then he devotes every fiber of his being into fighting it. Uh, and we basically see the revenge take place over the course of, of 20 minutes. He's a highly educated man with untold ambition and a very narrow window through through which he wants to exercise it. So teens related, young adults in college related, millennials, of course. This is how they feel all the time. I related too, but just in a kind of, I hope that guy doesn't drive down my, you know, property value kind of way. Yeah, Yeah, I found myself in a lot of these episodes starting off with like, Man, he seems just, you know, this seems kind of petty. And then a, a quarter of the way through the episode, like, man, these guys are really shitting on him. I hope he gets them. And then by toward the end of the episode, I'm like, he's gone a bit too far here. No, it, as it turns out, he was the pettiest and angriest man. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the spell that this show casts on you over the course of it. Because you can't really root for him the whole time or root against him the whole time. Like, yeah. it's, Complex. it's a muddled... What it really reminded me of in a few different ways was uh, Dante or Randall from Clerks. The Clerks, yeah. Yeah. The the movie or the animated series? The movie. Okay. The good movie. Specifically, their relationship, I felt like, was a lot like Dante and Randall, where, like, one of them is just the most toxic person, (laughs) and the other one is, like, not willing to stand up to him and goes along with what he says because he is spineless. And that's the formula. Josh, how did how did it's you like come did you come to this when it came out and how did it hit you then? Uh, do you want to, the room to be brought down when I say this because I think it will. Uh, my dad died about I think a half a year before this came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yay, Josh, way to bring the room down. Uh, so I was going through all that griefy stuff and then uh, one of the things that happened was we ended up getting a higher cable package. Uh, which meant that we could get the premium channels. And Dad, one of the things that Dad hated, that I hated at the time, was we hated TiVo. We hated DVR. Dad always recorded stuff on VHS, as you guys know, because I still have Mm -hmm. a lot of the VHS tapes. Oh, nice. Um, And I just remember scrolling through channels, and I remember seeing um, the it was Dan versus Traffic, but I didn't watch it. And then the next week, and again, this is like at 2 p.m., on a Saturday, because remember, guys, this is a family show that airs on a family channel that families are supposed <laughs> to watch together. Right. Uh, of next week was ye old, ye old Shakespeare dinner theater, and I was at theater <laughs> in college, and I'm like, I kind of want to see some guy get revenge on theater. Yeah. So that was really the beginning of it, and I'm like, oh wow, this show kind of rules. And oh, I watched this is that. Hi- this is highly yeah. literate yeah. <laughs> in a way that's like high and lowbrow. And when we were yeah. yeah, when we were doing the Misty cast. We had um, Chad Rocco on, who's familiar faces, and this is back when the Reviewiverse thing was a big deal. Uh, and he said, are you guys fans of the... He, apparently, he was a big brony at the time. He said, are you guys fans of the pony? And I'm like, I don't... I'm a, I'm a 21-year-old man. I don't know I've like, seen it. It's like, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, like, I didn't okay. get into it until I was like yeah. 26 or 7. So. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. Oh, hey, this is good. And then Pound Puppies after, like, hey, this is good. Again, they got good people on this... For this network, it was just the timing was terrible. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's, and that kind of like it it takes a lot to not penetrate our like com. Uh, let me try again. It takes a lot to remain like to have a show that is this good and have me never have heard of it. Like no. I understand not getting like a lot of reviews in the pipeline or like just by osmosis learning of a thing. Um, but to have never heard of Dan versus and then watch it and be like, this is just my speed in all the ways that Bojack was, but had no, it, 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 it had no presence. It had no marketing presence. Yeah. yeah. And apparently, so it, it ran for three seasons and like normally by that point you're like, oh, like you should know about it. But then you got it just or not, suddenly yeah. it was canceled. And from what I could read, like. They never really got a satisfying answer why? Season, well, the Hub Network was really in dire straits at that point in time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure uh, it was like a like know. a high-up business thing, but it's just... I uh, bet that there were a lot of casualties of yeah. network programming in the streaming exodus. It's just always interesting yeah. when you can, like, when there's a show that you can't point to a specific reason, like, of the show itself for why it got canceled. It's just, it, it was its time. Well, well it wasn't toyetic. No, I, I mean, like, you don't point to a specific reason why you get canned during the Great Depression. Like, the, the point is, the surrounding... Like, there's <laughs> bigger big events than a particular person's performance. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure that this happened to a bunch of different shows that are worth more than their networks could provide because yeah. of the changing nature of the business. I was yeah. just reading about the critic, and they said, Nope, it was one guy. The network had hated us. <laughs> So sometimes there's a very clear, you know, reason also, that you can point to. Also, I think Hasbro didn't own the show. It was owned by uh, Film Roman and the Hatchery. They yeah. think they were just licensing it so they wouldn't make any money on merchandising. Uh, um, it's not kind of really stuff. a merchandisable show, if I may no, say. No, it's not. It's yeah. They put I mean, out like, a DVD it, that I don't own. I I struggle to think of an adult cartoon show with like good merch and maybe that's just because like merch is targeted toward mm. kids a lot of the time but like i've never seen like metalocalypse you know like member uh little little action with figures. wind up head banging action Th yeah with wind up head banging action exactly three words my naive friend rick and morty oh you got me there <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and then finally they can sell comedy. us memes yeah. at a premium <laughs> yep i wonder if it's it why? Why is that though? Why is that why that is what? Rick and Morty is the marketable one? Because Rick and Morty had more, um, as you said, memes. They had Pickle Rick. They had it was much more cartoonish. Whereas this was much more grounded. As weird as it is to say, it, no, it is grounded. This was slightly more grounded in reality. Well, there, mm -hmm. yeah, but Dan and Chris aren't like traveling to different universes in every but episode. I would almost it's think that that would make it. Well, I mean, like, what about BoJack, though? That is highly... Well, I guess, like, tonally, it's pretty grounded. I, I it's think, just I think that, the, uh, the Rick and Morty thing is folk. sort of a... Um, is the Fluke. anomaly in general. Um, and it has the, to do with its release schedule. Remember the early seasons? It was like, here's Out Bunch, and then nothing for a while. So let's sell you a yeah. board game based on one episode. Maybe, yeah. maybe it was just right place, right time. Yeah, so in case... In case uh, there's any people out there who are still listening after us discussing the politics of uh, yeah Ben of, of tangents. programming too many tangents over, Ben over over of course fifteen it's a rewind minutes. button <laughs> yep Go. rewind us back rewind the tape noticeably FAT rewind the tape yeah um, so let's 
start talking about this. So okay. an episode of Dan versus it, it, they're all like Dan versus the dentist, you know, Dan versus New Mexico. These things we all hate. They're all titled yeah. like uh, clickbait YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but some of them you aren't necessarily believe. tangible things like there's Dan versus the dentist, but then we get things like Dan versus stupidity. Yeah. yeah. Where it, he's going it was after quite the range. Yeah. It, it was interesting because I found a lot of episodes where the the topic was you know something that i could definitely see being annoyed by but it wasn't hitting my specifics um Mm -hmm. but uh, i think that there's probably an element of catharsis though in like having that need to rage against the dentist or against um uh, loud neighbors or what have you and like you as a person are not going to enact destructive revenge on them right but it it can be kind of like fun to play in the space where somebody like I'm gonna do something about yeah, this the, shit. Yeah, the the, the fantasies that you have standing yeah. in line about you know taking revenge on everybody else in the line is put here into a show where where this misanthropic Dan who is wearing a shirt that just says jerk on it. I I absolutely am in love with Dan's character and the, design. And the shirt's just a little too small to show that he's grown out of it, that he is a literal man-child. I have the yeah. perfect way to describe Dan, just to give him a summary yeah, if you've please. never seen the show before. Okay, opening shot, opening episode. Uh, we Okay, as a script point of view. Uh, exterior. Crappy rundown apartment somewhere in central Los Angeles. Uh, there are trash cans astrew. Uh, doors are open when they should not be. It is clear that this building has not been at any... Uh, work as of late. Interior shot. A crappy, run-down apartment. There are pizza boxes on the floor. There are piles of clothing. Uh, Dan is seated at the side of his bed wearing a shirt that says jerk, wearing shoes and his jeans, with his hands pressed to his cheeks. Dan's first line. I can't believe how much I hate everything. <laughs> yep. Now yep. you know who Dan <laughs> must have spoken to you. Yeah. Um, but in, in the episode, he will, you know, be there will be a perceived slight he will mm-hmm. go out of his way to take revenge in a fantastical way. Uh, he will enlist the help of his friend Chris and Chris's wife, Elise. Yeah, his, um, his enabler. His enabler. And, um, yeah, he might get win, quote-unquote. He might lose, quote-unquote. Most of the time, it's just, hey, we did a lot of effort for not that much gain, yeah. as is the nature of revenge. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you have to spend money, blah, blah, blah. That, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's never glorifying the concept of revenge. It's no. it's always just kind of like sitting in the fun chaos of a person who can devote their entire being to these very minor perceived slights, as you said. Yeah, how dare you. and that is fun. The how would you do it fantasy. It it is a fun <laughs> thing to sit in, is it not? <laughs> never negate the importance of revenge. If it weren't for revenge, we wouldn't have potato chips. If it weren't for revenge. We wouldn't have cell phones if it weren't for revenge. We would not have America. Is this I a remember quote from the, him. <laughs> I remember the potato chip one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, cell phones. Uh, the guy who invented the cell phone literally called his rival and said, "Hey, guess what? I'm calling you on." <laughs> nice. Yep. Comma shitlord. Yep. Wasn't the, the the potato chip one was like there was some like foreign chef or, mm-hmm. or, or there was a foreigner? It in, was an episode in the, of Iron of, Chef. 
Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> in a in a fancy restaurant, and they're like, "No, you gotta you gotta slice these potatoes even thinner. It needs to be way thinner." And then they just sliced them crazy far and salted them and like burned them to a crisp. And it's like, yeah. "Oh, these are actually enjoy the best. food." Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> you get, like? Them. I suppose I will. Well, yeah. I have. Well, now I've copyrighted them. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the range of outcomes here, right? He yeah. could be the guy who invents potato chips by accident and doesn't, you, you know, the the guy he's trying to get revenge on is happy. Actually, he can, you know, invent a cell phone where, oh, I've I've done well by myself. It didn't really help me in the long run, but I feel good about myself. Or, oh, I just kickstarted a long line of dominoes that I'm mm. not in control. He destroys Canada, I believe. Yes. Um, he destroys a lot. This is. <laughs> This is a man child and therefore is unmoored by the concept of personal accountability. He has uh, a, I, yeah, he's got a but, list but, the size of Kamchatka of things that he just, like, okay, you're next, Burma. Oh, God, I love his list. <laughs> the list. Big, uh, you know, capital, capital yeah. letters. But yeah, he is a man child with the capacity of a man and the accountability of a child like yeah. he does not have a personal responsibility he treats other people as pawns mm-hmm. or enemies mm-hmm. he you know he, he drives a car yeah. he right. has the capacity to purchase weapons yeah he, he can uh, plan, like make a plan and follow it to a t um the creator uh chris because the creators just named their characters after themselves um Chris said he described Dan as Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes as a grown-up if his life had gone horribly wrong somewhere. I, I don't yeah. know how much I buy that. It's like a it's a cute shorthand, but I don't think it quite gets I to think, the heart I think of the either. Chaotic, Hobbes, the, would the, the, Hobbes be Chris? Oh, maybe, absolutely okay. not. The the chaotic okay. and creative energy, I think, is the is the key there. Okay. Um, but but so much of Dan is turning that chaotic energy into destructive energy. Yeah. I, I have a fun thing here. I looked online. I was just trying to find information about the creator, Dan Mandel. And, of course, it just shows up as the, the mm. character, Dan Mandel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was directed to the Heroes Wiki, which lists a bunch of fictional <laughs> characters, uh, heroes and villains. Would mm-hmm. you believe that he is listed on the wiki as a do-gooder? And then uh, no. hero <laughs> comes along. Um, must whip it. Yeah, um, <laughs> was that the oh, was that the song you were yeah. angling for? No, I was going for Mariah Carey, "Hero," or we yeah, go Foo too. Fighters. There goes my hero. There goes my hero. You must whip it. <laughs> I'm not going to um, go into the burning building, Chris. Go in the burning building, get the picture. Yeah. So this this Chris, uh, this very uh, spineless enabler mm-hmm. who says he's trying not to help or says he's trying to rein him in, but it's really mm-hmm. just. You know, it is a tool in Dan's belt. Yeah. It's it's Tim from uh, Life, Life and Times, Times of Tim. Of Tim, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, are you familiar, nope. Josh? Nope, never uh, seen Life it. and Times of Tim is Tim is just it's a show of a man who cannot say no or advocate for himself, getting drawn into increasingly uncomfortable situations that he can't walk away from. I remember it, an episode where uh, like his friend was trying to make him seem intimidating and like tough. And he's like, and if you don't do what he says, Tim is going to take a shit on your desk. And Tim's like, I'm not going to shit on your desk. And the guy's like, oh, he'll do it. Yeah, I might. <laughs> Just kind of. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I think it's necessary. Like, terminal How about I pee on the desk? Can we, how about we just, like, Chris will try to bring it down and Start Dan will just throw it back up. opening hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Compromise. It's just, yeah. He, he just gets pulled in, in, in direction. And that's what happens mm. to Chris here is that Dan 
asserts dominance in the relationship such as it is and chris does not have the wherewithal to say no yeah. for whatever reason mm-hmm. that that is probably the more interesting character uh analysis <laughs> it's like why is chris putting up with this did you watch dan versus the summer camp the last episode no, I did not. Okay, yeah. it, you kind of get a you get a little bit of a clue. That was actually a sweet I, episode. I accept that there's probably yeah. quote unquote reasons, but like <laughs> the overarching story is Dan it feels slighted. He enacts revenge. Mm-hmm. He ropes Chris into it for financial support and Patsy material, um, and then Elise usually is a player in some way, shape, or form. Elise mm-hmm. is Chris's wife. Yeah, this is the most confusing character by far to me. So you did see an episode where she does her day job, right? Her real day I, job. Okay. In, indeed, I did. <laughs> yes. And Elise. it's a coin flip whether or not she will work to support Dan just as a friendly support person, work against him as just like you know you can't borrow Chris or support him way too much as like a ninja. Yeah. It depends Walk me on through what this. she needs out of it. Walk me through the lore here. She hated New Mexico, because as you recall, we all watched Dan versus New Mexico, I hope. As a kid, <laughs> yeah, she was like, to help Dan. It was yeah. because she had beef yeah. with New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Which, again, if you can, if someone's going like, hey, I'm going to go punch that nun over there, and you got a problem with the Catholic Church, you can be like... Okay, go for it, buddy. That's oh, some externalization of some ideas. I'm just going to drop some enemy. brass knuckles here. Don't mind those. <laughs> no, they confiscated you know. his brass knuckles. Yeah. They're illegal in California and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're next, we'll, we'll get to the dialogue on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it it's... Should be, yeah. Dan lives in a really crappy part of L.A. So, this, yeah. is, this is pure L.A. But, at its finest, which is there's the nice part of L.A. where Chris and Lise live, and then there's the part where Dan lives, which is... Not where you want to live. Mm. What? What? It, so you mentioned Elise's day job. Oh, yeah. What she does is she's married to Chris. I Zane. One of the things that I found is like she lets Chris go on with Dan on his adventures because she doesn't want him around for whatever clandestine mm. reason. She's some sort of like ninja secret agent type. She yeah. is a ninja. What is it? Because they say this in one of the episodes. She's a ninja uh, assassin working for a shady covert government, uh, quasi government organization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah just all all of the old illuminati tropes just throw them in a big old bag yeah. uh it's very like mrs smith kind of thing mm-hmm. and um that is fascinating to me because it explains why chris appeals to her on a professional level because like mm. oh he this... is well so milk to- he's not gonna cause problems for my alibi i can literally tell him you did not see the thing you saw like, he's, like, the perfect cover, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Elise, because, again, Elise clearly had a long stream of boyfriends that her parents actually liked and were angry that she picked Chris. Because uh, I know one of the things when they go to the beach is Chris is worried because he goes, you know, Elise's old boyfriend was a lifeguard uh, until he died in that freak accident. So many freaks. <laughs> Yeah. Clearly she I think she dated a bunch of really cool guys and then realized the same can at work with my job. Right. Oh, they were too they were too successful. They yeah. would have been in the spotlight. What, what she they, found in Chris yeah. is a man who is constantly trained by Dan to be a patsy and to be a fall yeah. guy and to have an alibi. It's it's like the thing with um Beth and Jerry in Rick and Morty. Right. Is like you don't understand how valuable his submissiveness truly is. Yeah. Like this is a rare, scarce resource. <laughs> Somebody Every, is that is this beat down. Everybody needs a Chris in their life. And if you do not have a Chris in your life, oh no. Guess what? <laughs> You're a Chris. 
Oh, God. Speaking of which, Zane, go get me those Cheetos I told you about. You got it, boss. I, I really loathe the notion that we are going to Dan versus the world characters onto ourselves in the way that people do to Sex in the City characters. Dan, oh, like Chris, quiz. Elise. There we go. Am I the Elise? Well, who else are you going to be, the Chris? Or you could, I guess you could be Mr. Mumbles. Oh. I do need a cat. I I'm, I'm pretty into this. Okay, we're we're okay. We're going down through many lap through too many. We do need holes. to talk about Mr. Mumbles at least because that is. We will okay. we okay, will okay, discuss ahead. Mr. Mumbles in our discussion of Dan. Okay. Uh, I want to do a little bit deeper go dive ahead. on him. He's voiced by Curtis Armstrong. Uh, it, just a delightfully shrill. Like it has to be shrill. It has mm-hmm. to evoke man child, right? Like mm-hmm. just like so much energy goes into the role. This is phenomenal voice acting, by the way. Yeah. Him or Gilbert Godfrey. It wouldn't work with Gilbert. It was either <laughs> him or Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of it could have been it could have been Godfrey. To to get it so consistently aggrieved without it sounding like sh- like shrill or like whiny, like in yeah. the yeah. in that sense. Um I think that that's a that's a fine line to toe. It is It's very- like the um it's it's hard to make a character that is you love to watch them being mad because, like, I don't, I don't know, like, a very fundamental level. It's not fun to watch someone be mad. Like, you'd want right. to not be around them. Yeah. Like, but Daria has the screaming teacher whose eye is always going to pop out <laughs> of his head. And Dan from Dan Versus, he's just he's it's he just gets so amped up. He just had his juice box. And he's ready to take on the fucking world. He, he pulls you in, right? It's like how um, a comedian with a certain vocal cadence will draw you into a premise just by the way that they're going about it. Dan does yeah. the same thing, but for anger. And that's that's so much rarer a talent. Here's the interesting bit. He's erudite. Like, this is a learned man. Yes. Well, his, And that's fascinating. His eruditeness has, has certain wa- waxes and wanes at times. Did you see George Washington? I'm guessing no. Yes. <laughs> okay. The great not. line where they're driving to, Dan wants to get revenge on George Washington, despite the fact that he's been dead for 200 years. <laughs> he slipped they're, on a quarter. <laughs> they're driving to, to his home in Mount Vernon, and Elise goes, why don't we just take him to a burned down shack, tell him it's his home, and then have him rage, and then we could be done with it. And Chris goes... Dan's intellect and his patchwork in his brain is very <laughs> odd and absurd at times. Hey, Dan, who carved Mount Rushmore? Gutsum Borglum, and then his son finished it. <laughs> oh, okay. And what what state is it in? Ecuador. What's with the questions? Yeah. <laughs> so so Dan he he would if he were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire he would get the last five questions right. But he would not get the first five questions right. It'd be like that guy who was colorblind and he didn't want to use uh, 50-50 because he couldn't remember what blue and yellow made. (laughs) That's great. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that that explains something that I think came across pretty naturally, which is just, like, this guy is, it's, I I almost don't want to say on the spectrum because, like, that's kind of demeaning to people on the spectrum. I'm on the spectrum (laughs) and I'll say it. (laughs) But, like, he, he has this eclectic, savant-like genius about him. Like, he plans shit, mm-hmm. but he has, like, just wide gaps in his common sense and common knowledge. Well, he's, he's living in everybody's fantasy, right? Where you can only imagine the possible upside of things. Yeah. Uh, of, of your actions. But he, he kind of nails the millennial uh, archetype of aggrieved, went to college, was promised the world, nothing came through, not really willing to Try again. <laughs> like he's selling it. Well, I don't know if I'd like. I'd pigeonhole him into into like a specific I, generation of 
I, th- I think I think I've spent the most time for uh, in terms of thinking on this show trying to figure out why I like the character of Dan, but I hate the characters of Beavis and Butthead. And I think the <laughs> the writing and the eruditeness <laughs> is where it has to be. Well, Dan, that's huh? That's interesting. You could hang out with a Dan in real life. You could not hang out with a Beavis and Butthead. As long in real as you life. stay on his good side, yeah. yeah. Can I also point out one other thing about Dan? That is um, very important to me liking him as a character, which is that he is without libido. Yeah, like that dude, that completely works for me as a character. Like we're already dealing with man child, hmm. whereas Beavis and Butthead, they yeah. were raised by TV, but they were still creatures of wanton desires. Yeah. Not Did- pronounced wanton. Wanton desires. <laughs> desires for and of wantons. I watched all 53, by the way, uh, That's over the impressive. course of several weeks. In Dan versus the Barber, uh, he he meets like this tall gr- girl, perfect woman. Yeah, he's a little Kavorka man. Like, pe- like women are constantly falling over yeah. for him. She's wearing a shirt that says nerd. <laughs> and he and it's like he's like, wow, Dan, how did you get the date? Yeah, I had this foolproof plan. I noticed she was reading this book that I liked, and I asked her about it. Then I found out some more of her interests and <laughs> cleverly asked about those and got a date that way. And so he goes out, and he brags about how, yeah, I got a great date. Look at the girl to the barber. Give me a haircut. Uh-oh. Turns out the barber is her dad. Oh. And so it's like, I've got now he's got to get revenge of the barber. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. What, yeah, oh, th- thank you. Does Jennifer, he? Jennifer, right. Yeah. So what happens is, is the only way you can take revenge against a barber, as we all know, is you have to defeat him in a haircutting competition. That's the, that's the only way we can do it. It's, it's, it's I was bad. almost convinced. This is what the show does to you. You start trying to imagine how Dan's brain would work. I was like, oh, clearly he's just going to shave bald everyone in the, in the city. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, like, that's a rule. That's like that's... in the laws of being when you become a barber. You have to best someone in haircutting in order to get it. That's it's a lot like being a samurai. Yeah. So <laughs> he's like, "Well, who do I? Whose hair do I cut, man? Who now? And whose hair do you think Dan's in, Dan ends up getting to cut? Who might that oh. be? Could it be somebody who enables him? I wonder." <laughs> yeah. And the barber is cutting the hair of uh, the dream woman, mm-hmm. uh, daughter of the. And Dan sucks at cutting hair. Surprise, surprise. Right. And it's over. And again, she still is kind of enamored with Dan, but she's like, you know, taking revenge is never the right thing. You always have to. And then Dan, he does something to screw up the barber and shaves like a big thing through her head. And it's like, yay, I won. <laughs> it's like, so he's still on for tonight. And then. Yeah. 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 He gets mm. so hyper fixated. Yeah. I do yeah. like. He, um, would, he has a libido. But revenge supersedes his libido, I, unless his I libido think... can somehow give him revenge. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very far down the list of priorities. I yeah. remember this one time that um, Dan was like, someone was knocking on the front door, and it's like, hey, I'm I'm a supermodel. Uh, I just moved in next door. Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> I just I just wanted to I just wanted to meet you. You seem so interesting. If I give you a kiss, I'll make you pancakes. <laughs> yeah. And then he wakes up from his dream of and course, he's like, yeah. damn, I almost got pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Just completely uninterested. His in, like, hierarchy the very... of needs is inverted. It's, it's, yeah. it's really it's wild. <laughs> it's revenge, food, gasoline, women. <laughs> Gasoline, oh, and yeah. Chris for and revenge. Yeah, they get in there too. Anything that is fuel for revenge counts as revenge. Yeah, so. yeah I, I, I like his, like, 
his values in terms of his uh, his intellect like in the old shakespeare dinner theater uh where he's trying to take revenge he has he feels a grievance against the theater not because he's bored by the material not because he hates shakespeare but because they're not doing the material justice and the episode yeah. is crammed full of all kinds of like shakespeare references that were straight to my heart and i'm like oh dan you're <laughs> like somebody spent a lot of time on this somebody cared <laughs> There is a deleted but, scene but where he's mad that, uh, like, his car got towed because it was sure. parked. So there was a deleted scene. But so, yeah. But again, we don't need but that. He's still pissed. Go ahead, man. There's there's so... But, like, the, the, the range of problems. Like, you can't determine... He doesn't have, like, a fixed sphere of interests beyond revenge. Like, oh, theater camp? I happen to be a huge theater buff. That's not going to come up again. The very next episode, you might have... He gets mad at the mall Santa because the mall Santa doesn't believe in Christmas, which <laughs> yeah. he is convinced is the mall Santa's job. <laughs> but remember, guys, the, though, this is a family show like, oh, that I'm airs sorry. on a family Usually it's a kid. Right, right. Remember, guys, though, this is a family show that airs on a family network that families can watch together. <laughs> right. He's a do-gooder. Yeah. Uh, yep. He's just Calvin. He's just having a time. Oh, yeah, oh, gives a crap. He's That's great. Um, yeah, he has a cat, as you had mentioned, Mr. Mumbles. Mm -hmm. Who he saved from the, when he burned down the animal shelter. Oh, no. he, he used dynamite, in <laughs> fact, yeah. yeah. Well, he let the animals go. He didn't really warn the, you know, people working at the animal shelter. But yeah, he let but the like, animals go, and then. Yeah, like, as an impulse. Yeah. Like, as like, a, it was a coin flip whether that would happen or not. Um, but yeah, he, he adopts uh, Mr. Mumbles, and Mr. Mumbles is very useful as a cipher into Dan's character because for all his rage mm -hmm. and it, it gets directed at everyone around him, Chris um, and, and Elise, uh, Elise they, they both get and, and himself. Mm -hmm. They, they all get uh, um, an element of that rage thrown at them. I never saw him mad at Mr. Mumbles. He never, he's never mad at Mr. Mumbles. He, 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 he just, there's, there's, I don't know what in his brain is just like people are pain mm -hmm. <laughs> and and they deserve my 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 anger my wrath but yeah. you know kittens are blameless like there was one time when he wanted Mr. Mumbles to like cut through a uh, chew through a bunch of duct tape mm -hmm. in order to escape and Mr. Mumbles just jumps on his lap and like paces around mm -hmm. and at first he starts to get mad and then goes Aw, mm. just like watching the thing. What I that love is just, it's only people. It's 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 people and concepts. <laughs> well, he he has full on conversations with Mister Mumbles, and not in a psychotic way. He he actually says at one point, "Why did I have to get a cat that can read? Like his cat can read. His cat somehow knows somehow knows stuff, but doesn't care." No, he he's he's like externalizing his subconscious. Yeah. He's having a very one sided conversation with the cat, which is which in is, a Garfield way. Yeah, it's it's very it's wonderful, um, but it also just says like it, you can't have revenge on a cat. Yeah. Like they just right. they don't work on that metric. So like it's it's not that he's angry at people and therefore needs to get revenge. It's the opposite. Yeah. He needs to get revenge, and so he's angry at people. Yeah. Right. This is the only method by which I can still. Claim to have some sort of high-minded ideals. Yeah, and you can't do it to a cat. <laughs> There's nowhere right. to go. Yeah. So it just gets to cut that part of his brain out. Intermission! Because I did some big stuff. Well, I did it actually last year. Uh, but now that 
the release is coming soon. We finally talk about cool stuff. But I want to do it when we're actually doing the show, so that yep. way the shock will be genuine, if there was shock at all. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we can get into it. Yeah. I can't fake emotions. Running for governor. Oh, crap, I blew it. <laughs> of what state? New Mexico? Uh, yeah, it's got to be a, one of the lower states, Connecticut. Uh, of oh, the lesser states. <laughs> crap, I'm not white enough. Uh, you are you are plenty white enough. That's the thing about Dan is his hatred knows no bounds. He has no... He's indiscriminate in his hatred. He yeah. hates everything. The scale of the problem does not matter. It just informs how much we're going to escalate before the end of the episode, which I think the show kind of needs constant escalation, like at least over the Mm -hmm. thirds of of because it's, you know, it's a full length TV show. um, And in that in that New Mexico episode, for example, eventually they're dealing with hot air balloonists. They're dealing with UFOs. It's a whole thing. Whereas they're dealing with a fully hot air balloon cult. Right. Whereas Shakespeare theater, it's just him picking off actors one by one. It can't really sustain in the same way because we're still in the same spot for too long. That I, th- I think that that largely depends on where you are focusing. Like, definitely spectacle-wise, that's true. But, like, if you're looking at the course of Dan over the course of an episode, I think that usually is 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 handled pretty like it doesn't really matter what's going on he's going to like escalate his level of insanity and how far he's willing yeah. to follow those breadcrumbs mm-hmm. well and he'll it, it's an open question whether the world will go along with it yeah. there are times when chris does there is dan versus chris that was an episode where they fight over mm-hmm. a toy from some old sci-fi show that we don't care that no one else in the world except dan and chris care about and so it mm-hmm. does become that and then Elise's parents try to buff up Dan so that he can kill Chris um, but the one again this awesome. is a great concept if you've never seen this show Dan versus the monster under the bed <laughs> so Dan wakes up and there's a monster under his bed which scares him and so he goes to Chris and Elise's house and Chris is like okay he's skeptical it turns out it's like what happened and they're looking into it it's like okay this scratch that Dan impeded on Chris's car summoned a cthulhu of some sure. kind and how many yeah. how many episodes start off with scratches on cars yeah. this is the third one i've heard of. like 30 percent of dan's revenge involves his car being damaged in some way but there's only so much yeah. you can do to this man he's like what, what can you do that life hasn't and so it's like okay well that he hasn't chris is like okay so in order to vanquish it we need to get grass clippings i could get some but you borrowed my lawnmower and then took it apart. And Dan goes, well, that's what you get for having a crappy lawnmower. <laughs> well, we need grass clippings. Okay, okay, fine. So Dan puts the lawnmower back together, mows Chris's yard. Then he pays to get Chris's car fixed. And then he goes, okay, so here's what you got to do. According to this old text, you need to go to somewhere in, in Saskatchewan into this cave. You need to strip down to your underwear and you need to cover yourself in this fish guts and these grass clippings and read what's on this part and don't open it till you get there, Dan. And Dan's like, okay. Drives all the way to Saskatchewan, gets out. Uh, he's like, I'm not doing this. Opens his car door. The Cthulhu jumps at him. He screams, runs back inside, takes off his clothes, puts on the thing, starts reading it. Hada Makedo, Hada Seed, and Asadabs. And Dan, if you're reading this, you're probably in your underwear covered in fish guts. <laughs> And then it turns out that this was an elaborate plan that Chris and Elise thought up months in advance. Yeah. So that they could get a, an actual vacation for once. 
Nice. But yeah. A, yeah, a big part of the show is not worrying about the consequences. Oh, you right. can't. Like, like they, they, they blew up an animal shelter. Mm-hmm. Like, it, right. it's, it, it, yeah, you mm-hmm. can't live in a con- consequence. That I guess that's the main thing that prevents it mm-hmm. from being the same kind of thing as BoJack. Is BoJack is deeply yeah. immersed in its consequences. Right. Emotional or otherwise. Season three opens with Dan trying to launch a nuclear missile. And Chris is yeah. like, you're going to start World War Three. Yes. But how else am I going to get revenge on the squirrel? Yeah. The, <laughs> it, it's yeah. wherever his focus is, it's going to get 100% of his ire. Um, and, you know, the, the, the dialogue that you mentioned, like, he is so witty and fast mm-hmm. in responding to Chris or anyone else who's questioning him. It's all deflection. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, putting the blame somewhere else. This person who would be absolutely awful in real life and, like... The show's not hiding that. It's yeah. not. No. It's not glorifying dance. Just like, what if, what if you let your id run wild for a little bit, and let's just contain it in this show and agree that we don't. We're glad life, life's not like that. And they and they take the guardrails out. What yeah. The, they 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 let him they let him do whatever he needs to do to get it out of his system. The, he's doing what polite society won't, like setting the, fire to an orphanage. The prison system <laughs> has very much failed Dan. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. But oh, I I mean, like I I think this guy needs to be on drugs of some sort. Honestly, like the mental <laughs> health association has from... failed Dan. Sedation. So every, I think that there's probably many organizations that have that have failed Dan. Did you? Um, one of the, the the main one I would argue is probably his uh his confidant, his mm-hmm. his main accomplice, which is Chris. Yeah. Uh, played by Dave Foley, uh, and yeah, he's the enabler that allows Dan to stay the way he is constantly gets blamed for dan's misdeeds he's running up crazy credit card debt which mm-hmm. thankfully you know elise's job pulls down six figures so they're probably okay but it's still we, kind of a pain we should note that he th- he chris is unaware of the fact that his wife is a uh, covert assassin yeah. for a shady quasi-government organization i'm not sure i'm not sure how much that would change <laughs> i mean his it, life. it helps to have this character be just completely out of control like not yeah. Not the way that Dan's out of control, but just like he has no control over the way the situation is going. Yeah. Um, okay, Dan, if I win, I get to keep Chris this weekend. If you win, you can have him. <laughs> Chris goes, don't I get some say? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love, of, I love him just interrupting with shut up. <laughs> most of the time, Chris is just completely subservient. There's a good chunk of time where Chris is, like, something's gone wrong with him. Like, they're doing a long road trip at some point, and the flat plains of the Midwest are just, like, they drive him to psychosis, and he just, like, goes running and screaming. Where And Dan and Elise are just like, it's so peaceful out here. Look at the stars. <laughs> well, <laughs> Like, they do the reversal just enough to keep you guessing. Well, yeah. and you can imagine... Somebody who has known and interacted with Dan this long probably picked up a couple of, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of mental tics yeah, just through Yeah, like, like how people start to resemble their pets. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. When he went to the, um, there's a, there's the high school uh, reunion episode, and uh, Chris loved high school. Dan hated it. Dan didn't get uh, invited. He didn't get invited, but Chris is like, that's probably because you changed addresses six times in the last four years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, they might not have been able to. And they, he shows up and tries to do a bunch of garbage to him. They love it. Yeah. They're like, we, we, you're such a hoot. You're such a riot. What an entrance. That's an entrance only Dan could pull off. Dan is glorified. And Chris, who remembers everyone's names, 
He's done all of them favors in the past. He doesn't get recognized even a little bit, and he starts to fucking freak out. <laughs> Elise gets recognized more than him, but I don't go to the she, school. She wasn't in the school. Yeah. Which always begs me the question, how did they meet? Uh, again, I really wish we had seen the one I, the one. Oh, I, well, yeah, there's a couple episodes. He, they, they, they did a, a you know nationwide search for the most controllable man. and, and That's actually the exact It's the plot of Fire Breather, but a lot less dumb. I literally just thought that, Zane. <laughs> like we, we came to the same conclusion. It's like, no, no, no. She, they, it's a honey MID satellited yep. him from <laughs> space, and it's like that's your that's your go. As incredibly cartoon literate as I am, I never did watch Fire Breather in its entirety, that's, which is weird. Does fine? Does the fa- it's not that weird. Does the fact that Elise found uh, Chris through this government satellite thing? in order to find like the most controllable man is that informed by like is there an element of they also wanted to keep tabs on dan no i don't think the i don't think the quasi government organization even factors dan into anything dan is he, like a blip on something like they like he's like the how government do you thing follow the Chris without yeah. finding revenge plots <laughs> how do you do that he, he's immune from consequences mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're like be being arrested or something and chris is just like let's just kind of talk our way through this and and de-escalate and dan steals the cop's hat in front of him just just for spite reasons murmur i'm a cop murmur go to jail murmur get paid with tax dollars murmur and it's like yeah dan would be the guy that if you again dan could only succeed in high school because it's like once high school is over, you're never going to see this guy again. Like that's the only environment. If you had to meet this guy and mm. work with this guy, you'd be like, God, I want to murder this guy. And then but he hated after murdering him, his ghost will try to take revenge on me. It's it's a really no, he's, weird... a, he's a person who can't re- who can't exist. Yeah. This is this is the like quote unquote. He's saying what we're all thinking, except like actually, like not just yeah. as an excuse to say hateful things. Oh, yeah. How, how much? How many times have you like? had a altercation and thought of the perfect zinger to say later. Yeah. You know it's not going to change their mind. The point isn't to yep. inform them. The point is to get in yep. your good licks. Absolutely. Yep. And I feel like you're really like getting into his headspace <laughs> during this conversation. Like I, listen, You're getting the I, affectation, the voice. I, <laughs> I, 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 I relate to this man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, who hasn't walked, who hasn't woken up, hit, the, hit his head on the lamp that he installed over his bed, and then stumbles into a fully baked pie on his <laughs> on his floor. Like who who among us? <laughs> Not necessarily a pie, but some sort of baked good. Some sort of baked good. <laughs> yeah. That's a good that he's like, oh, I was gonna eat that. Yeah. <laughs> it's on his floor. Yeah. No, I am. I am very much in kind of his headspace because he is saying what we're thinking, which is just like we we hate people yeah. and we <laughs> want ill. To befall them. Right. And, like, sometimes we hate concepts like the weather, but we never have the capacity or the... There's no recourse. The, yeah. There's no stick-to-itiveness. Uh, we're all quitters, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Like, none of us... None of us feel like we have the wherewithal or the patience to get revenge on the weather. Well, I think if we lived in a cartoon universe where you could make a machine that could control it, then more of us would be willing to try. Whether or not the slights are real or imagined has no basis over whether (laughs) Dan can be successful at enacting his revenge. But it's also worthy to note that, again, one of the things I hate about modern animation is everything seems to be in the family guy world of everything's crazy. 
and to the point where they all are like, oh, like, I don't really like a lot of modern adult animation, because The Simpsons has definitely achieved this point where it's like, we're supposed to, it's supposed to be grounded in reality, yet they walk around and there's mummy. There's like, oh, we might run into a mummy today. Here it's oh, like, well. craziness can happen, but there is this level of, we're not going to run into a mummy. Oh, wait, there is a mummy over there. Okay. Yeah, it's, you, need, it's, yeah. you need both. You need both in kind of anything. In like, I'm I'm struggling to imagine. You need some level of fantasy mm-hmm. in your TV programming, right? Like, it, there there needs to be some fantastic element. Magic circle. Yeah, you, but you also need a grounded element because otherwise you're unmoored. You like we've seen many shows that are successful because of the contrast to how well they're grounded to how well they are completely. Remember Ugly Americans? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where like they're just like living in a city. And the problems are city level, and the setting is there's a bunch of demons and ghosts and <laughs> zombies and 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 plant people running around. But all the problems are utilitarian. Or Bojack right. is also a great like. A lot of the time, the problems are logistical. A lot of the time, they are fantastical. All of the emotional stakes are very well mm. grounded. Yeah. Like all the relationships are important, even though the context that gets. Mm. That gets a rise out of people can be like you know, yeah. Bird planet sent and in, down a missive. Like it Dan, doesn't matter. In Dan versus the things that are allowed to deviate from reality are things that allow Dan to seek revenge, up to and including. Oh, he needs to be able to seek revenge against the monster under the bed. Therefore, the monster under the bed is real, yeah. and we're fine needs, with that. <laughs> he needs to exert revenge over somebody who slashed up his car. Uh, he interprets that it must have been done by a wolfman. Yeah. Wolfman are real. They're, but yeah, he's we're going to make a wolfman. In his yeah, defense, this is one Washington. of those things where it turns out, oh, it was just Barry Gibbs sitting down the road. It actually was a wolfman. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's he's benign. Mm. This is not a malicious wolfman. Like, <laughs> there's no... The, the revenge is the fantasy. Like right. the, the things that happened to him that cause him to seek revenge, they're all pretty grounded, even if it's happening by, you know, ghost children or dream pixies. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Well, that, yeah, my favorite Lemonade Stand gang. Did we watch Lemonade Stand <laughs> gang? I'm guessing no. No. no he gets not. into a war with 12-year-old, uh, yeah. 12, like 11-year-olds <laughs> selling lemonade. Right. And was again, it too expensive a, or did, did they, he spill they it? They put also, it in front of his car again. Yeah. And we should also mention car. he is a very short man mm-hmm. and Chris is a very tall man. Uh, again, gives you the Calvin and Hobbes comparison and also that like um, the, those two guys kind of narrative, the Mario and Luigi of it. Yeah. Um, so when we say he's making a war with 11 year old, it, it's not quite as abrasive. Yeah. There's still moments in this show where. Dan's behavior is very abrasive to me, the audience. Yeah. I, I, in general, like this show. It, it's a little too cruel and malicious at times. It, um, yeah. It depends on the maliciousness, because there's times where you go, okay, Dan wouldn't be this mean. And, like, because I remember thinking, well, Dan's not going to go out. He's not going to kill anybody to get what he wants. And then literally the next episode, it's, why don't we just kill him to get what we want? Like, yeah, he'll do like, it. Yeah. It's the he, he'll yeah. do it if it's convenient. Yeah. yeah, but then there's times where he's just like unnecessarily mean. But the people that he's being mean to don't really seem to mind. Like when he's he becomes Santa, the mall Santa he takes over. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any kind of I don't think that there's any rhyme or reason to the people yeah. he's being mean to. I originally thought that usually the physical comedy was done to Dan, and then I watched a couple more episodes, and I was like, well, it's Dan or somebody we yeah. also hate. 
it can kind of just be whoever's around. Like, there's a lot of collateral damage, and that's where I struggle with these shows sometimes, with just, like, this is the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way in, like, Family Guy, is just, like, the needless violence for its own sake. Like, this person didn't do anything. We, We don't have beef with them. Like, if Dan... If Dan, like, needs to borrow an ambulance, so he dumps the very badly injured guy out of the ambulance and the guy, like, falls down a flight of stairs, I have a hard time with that. Mm -hmm. I I don't know whether that's just me, but, like, like there's a difference between him doing ill to somebody kind of of dickish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is just incidental carnage yeah <laughs> well eventually the guy in the ambulance is going to want to take revenge on him so right we never we never see the oh, after we didn't see that he's guy planting die. the seeds um, we did not see that guy die and 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 they do have ways of like alleviating the severity of some of the things he does like um they knock a guy off uh or like they crash into a guy on a motorcycle or, or i wasn't quite sure yeah. but the guy falls down and you know they're driving away and chris is like is that guy going to be all right? Yeah, yeah, he'll be and fine. And Dan's like, I, I saw him get up. He's fine. And then we cut to him getting <laughs> loaded into an ambulance. And the lines that the that the e- EMTs say are... Uh, am I going to be okay? <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. oh, did this guy... Get, this guy can't even get up. Yeah, he's not going to be all right for a long time. Like, just quoting <laughs> yeah. in reverse the thing word they for word. There's another one. I have a hard time with that. Well, there's another one where it's... Okay, well, here's the thing. Is they, uh, I think it's in New Mexico. Is it in New Mexico? It's either New Mexico or Wolfman where they go to the library, and the librarian's like, I'll help you if you if you kill that guy over there. <laughs> yeah, if you go off that guy. And they're like, what? Yeah. No, why? It's like, well, he's having an affair with my wife. Oh. Well, because we need to extend yeah. the episode a couple minutes. And we already have a hot like, air balloon plot. Like, we're not really going to kill this guy. And Dan's like, well, we got to do it. He's screwing around with this dude's wife. And then, fortunately, a bus comes along and hits the guy. Right. Yeah, and incidentally like, murdered. See? And then, you know, a couple more things in the dialogue. And they're about to leave. And he goes, do we know if that guy's going to be okay? And it, it cuts to them loading him in an ambulance. And the guy goes, am I going to be okay? And the ambulance <laughs> goes, you're going to be just fine, buddy. And Dan goes, and see, he's going to be okay. Close it. Yeah. Uh, So that 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 scene kind of reveals something kind of fundamental to my enjoyment of this show, actually, which is like uh, violence is fine in my media if it's to a point. That didn't feel like it was to a point. Like that felt malicious. The part of that scene that I loved was when they're going into the library and uh, Chris says, "Why don't you ask that guy? He's probably he's a librarian. It's his job to point you to the places for you to get the right Mm -hmm. answers." Um, and Dan's like, "What? He's why would he do that for free? It's, he's it's his job. Like the the notion that <laughs> that that like being polite or or generous for its own sake, or even as part of your job, not meshing with Dan's conception of reality. He, he can't understand people who aren't like him. Yeah. That's that's the funny part. You're in this world. Under- you're a Dan or you're a Chris. <laughs> he can't understand that there are people who would want to help him either." Right. Yeah. 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 What's your offer? <laughs> what, what's what's the he does what's the catch? He doesn't comprehend that this woman actually, for some weird ass reason, seems to find him attractive. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, he's paranoid. Like, like, oh, she probably wants to. I don't know. Which is what She's I'm like whenever trying to get revenge on me. Which is what it's like for me. Anytime the three women I ever dated said, "Hey, wow, you're so sexy," I'm like, "You know that I don't have any money, right?" <laughs> there's there's some Game of Thrones shenanigans going on here. You're trying to get me. Um, um, I would like to zoom out and generalize a bit and talk about the nature of revenge. 
You want to zoom mm. out like they do at the beginning of every episode when Dan screams what he's going to take revenge on? Yes, yes. But in this case, it's the nature of revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so revenge is one of those interesting quantities because depending on the context, depending on the writing involved, depending on the, the way that it's, you know, as Ben, as you say, the collateral, it can hit an audience in very different ways and people will feel whether or not it's justified you know there's a lot of different ways to interpret any given act of revenge as vindicated or not yeah yeah and there's like a long and storied history of revenge in theater especially Mm -hmm. um handled in very different ways I, i think Back in, you know, Hamlet times, whenever that is. Uh, 1600 Denmark? Sure. Um, revenge is, is treated like a kind of like an almost noble goal, like something that you do for your honor, yeah. the honor of your family or yourself or what have you. The dueling era. Yeah. It's a it's a very more modern sensibility mm-hmm. that the honorable thing is to like walk away let it go yeah yeah, yeah. The, oh yeah, like, i will spare his life i'm captain kirk which reminds me of uh, the gravity falls line that i love of mm. man this is like uh when he said when he goes up to uh pacific and says your whole family's oh, a lie yeah. and drives off angry and, feels great and dipper goes man revenge is underrated <laughs> <laughs> right well, well i like that this show takes that takes that concept of revenge and how I, I think expresses something that we as adults kind of all understand, which is that like yeah, everyone gets angry, but the logical conclusion of following up on that anger nets you nothing. I mean, that's that's the like high minded ideal of what revenge is, right? Is that yeah. it will leave you wanting, it will leave you hollow, it won't bring back what you lost. Um, yeah, there's you know there's the notion of justice. You know, do they deserve to have something bad happen to them? Should you be the arbiter? Um, but I think, uh, for for me, the way I've understood revenge is you don't need to actually take revenge. You just need to be in a position of power yeah. where you could and they know it. And yeah. it like, like Dan will get up to a point where he can, you know, just totally screw somebody over based on a slight um, you know, he, he he hates the beach, and now he's going to bring uh, a, a tanker of t- toxic chemicals to destroy the beach. There is a point in the episode where he's proven his point, right? He's gotten what he needed to do. He's obtained the power where he could just stop, but he hmm. doesn't, uh, right? Yeah. I don't know if I agree with your premise there. Like, can you walk me through, like, what do you, the difference between having revenge and having the capacity to do revenge. Let, let's well, say... Oh, like in Wolfman. Yeah. In Wolfman, he wakes up one morning, his car has been scratched, he deduces it's Wolfman. Goes to Chris right. says, we're going to hunt the Wolfman, do a bunch of stuff. It's like, okay, what do we do now? Well, we wait a month because it's not another full moon for another month. Okay, right. blah, 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 blah. They find the Wolfman, they shoot him with a silver bullet arrow that doesn't kill him because it's the hub network because remember guys this is a family show that airs on a family <laughs> channel meant to be watched with families they go to the they find out where he is he's like chris is like all right we know where he is what do we do now dan goes to the basement to the to the parking garage finds the car parking spot that corresponds to where the werewolf lives mm-hmm. pulls out his key keys the car right and it's like okay we're good and chris is like what the what what do you mean like well he scratched my car i scratch his car right but yeah, yeah. even stevens yeah what, yeah. you wanted me to kill him? What is wrong with you? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Ben, if, if, if someone were to murder you, for example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hypothetically. And I swore revenge. Yeah. Um, against and, me? No, no, against the How person who kills you. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. And I, How you know, you found die? the person, and I was in a position to kill them in revenge. Right. It's not actually like it does. It won't actually make me feel better to actually do it. I just need them to know that I could. Why? That's just that's just how it works, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand your if. I it's a power. It's 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 resolving the power imbalance caused by an aggrievement. I guess like I in, there's a way that I can finesse this, which is like if somebody is has done something to me and I want to get back at them, you, I kind of do it in my head where I'm just like I, I I justify that they're not happy either. But mm -hmm. it feels hollow, right? Because yeah. they don't they don't know that you could screw them over if you wanted to. Well, I, I that that's a. That's a slider that I don't understand the distinction between, uh, in, in all honesty. I think it's either you're acting on their revenge or you're not. Not like you act mm. enough so that they're scared. Well, like, I, that's yeah. not a slider I, I think, that I've ever I think, dealt with. Like, for me, the uh, the concept of a power imbalance, right? This character, Dan, is is shown to be somebody whom to whom life has not been the best. It, maybe it's his fault, maybe not, but um, anything oh, that... Oh, it's his fault. Anything that, you know, aggrieves him... It is done so against his desires, right? And therefore, whatever is affecting him has to ha have power over him in some way. He doesn't Fine. need to hurt that entity. He just needs to gain the yeah. upper hand. Yeah, he needs the knowledge that he could kill them at any point. Like, th there was an episode right. of The X-Files where we meet the, we find out the backstory of the cigarette-smoking man. I love The X-Files. And literally, the <laughs> cigarette-smoking man is pointing a gun at someone, and he says... The guy who's like revealing all the secrets about the cigarette smoking man, he says, I can kill you whenever I want, mm -hmm. but not today. And then puts the gun away. Mm -hmm. And it's the knowledge that you can do it that makes you go. That was a reminder for something. Who? That was a reminder. Oh, no. Reminder! Just do a fresh take. <laughs> Just do a fresh take. Okay. <laughs> it's the knowledge that you can take revenge that puts you in the knowledge of closure. I right. don't need to kill the guy who has all the secrets on me. I just need to know that I could kill him. Right. Mwahahaha. I I have never grappled with this with this notion of revenge mm -hmm. of like just correct the power imbalance. Like I guess I've never stopped to think of like what if you correct the power imbalance but don't do evil unto evil? Like where would that stand in your brain? How yeah. would that articulate? I've never really thought about that. And I like just to, you know, broaden our point to the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that the show is remarking on that distinction. I think that what the show is remarking on is that even following the bare threads of getting to that point is fruitless and destructive. Like, whether or not Dan is successful is kind of immaterial. Whether yeah. he even gets, like, part of the way is kind of immaterial. The point is, we see over and over again through every lens... This is a pathetic man, and he would be better off letting almost everything go. You're, you, again, big point, I think, you're laughing at him most of the time. There's some occasions where you yeah. feel bad, kind of like Al Bundy. You're not supposed to like Al Bundy. You're supposed to kind of maybe relate to something, but you're supposed to go, ha, 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 you're a shoe salesman. Ha, ha, ha. Wow, I just pissed off all the shoe salesmen in the world. Not just ha, 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 you're a shoe salesman. Ha, 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 your life blows. 
right. you know, it's it's the knowledge of like, okay, well, at least my life is better than this guy's. That's one of the things I yeah. think that makes Dan sort of a character that we like, not necessarily someone that we root for in terms of, boy, I hope you succeed in taking revenge. We like him in the sense that he makes us feel better about our own lives. He's, take, he's well, taking action, right? He's taking yeah. his circumstances into his own hands, whereas before he was buffeted about by fate. Now he's actually instigating. Whether it works out or not, it doesn't really let me, matter. Let me wrap the, the two points of this, of this work uh, up kind of in one thesis, which mm-hmm. is that it celebrates the notion of revenge, mm-hmm. but then concludes correctly that it's ultimately fruitless. It doesn't make Dan an unattractive, unappealing character. Dan is fun. Yeah. We like we like him getting amped up and going and doing his thing. But the show also never forgets that he doesn't gain anything from this and is always yeah. just a pissed off mess of a human. And they show you the damage Those he are... causes along the mm-hmm. way that you as the audience do have to contend with yeah. and do have to see. I have to fix but, like, it. That, when... That's... Yeah. I think that those are both elements toward the creation of this work that they kept in mind. That mm-hmm. revenge is fun, and mm-hmm. it's fun to watch this guy have revenge, but it doesn't get him anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's, it is the, it is that kind of cathartic, we're watching the thing yeah. we wish we could be, while it's also teaching us, don't do the thing. That's why I feel like there, there comes a point in a lot of episodes where, like, if he stops here... Man, he he's he's up, right? Yeah. His status is up compared to the beginning but, of the episode. But the, but the person who gets to the halfway point can't stop. Yes, <laughs> like it's only because he's devoted himself one hundred percent that he has gotten that far. I, I like that. It also plays into the Sisyphusian nature of revenge in terms of Dan and the fact that Sisyphus, as we all know, was doomed to forever push a boulder up a hill. Dan is forever doomed. To seek revenge, he will never get the revenge he wants. At the end of the day, yeah, it, that's that's a bottomless cup that he's trying to fill. It's self doom, right? He pushes the mm-hmm. boulder of revenge up. It always rolls back and smushes him, and it's not because somebody's forcing him to. It's because yeah. he can't stop himself. He wants to yeah. take fe- revenge on the fact that the boulder's at the bottom of the hill. This affects no one, <laughs> but for some reason, just he, leave the boulder. Yeah. It's like the insurance company's going to pay for your car. Like taking revenge on an in, on a concept is not going to get your car back. Insurances, right? Well, he doesn't and have insurance, so this is something we all know intuitively: is that you shouldn't just get mad and act yeah. on that anger. Yeah. However, who among us has not had that experience where, like, you try to open some sort of plastic thing with your hands, and it just like like or or mm. like you're you're trying to do something, you're trying to like finesse an object. So like I gotta I gotta turn this to get it out of the bag yeah, yeah. or something like that, and it just won't go, and you eventually get so frustrated that you rip open the bag, but it's not designed to do that, and you're gonna jam your stuff. Like it's you're not <laughs> helping the situation by acting on that anger. All right, and we'll, like you you just need to take a breather. And a lot of times, it, take a step back. And a lot of times, it's your own damn fault. Yeah. Like you, like you know, especially with Dan, it's his own damn fault that he needs to take revenge on someone. Now, admittedly, well, it's just yeah. his, he sees enemies, you know, everywhere. Yes, right. the Lemonade Stand gang has a has their selling in front of his car. Like, just wait. Eventually, they'll get bored and go home. Not not only that, everybody else is is able to handle these mm-hmm. minor inconveniences in modern living. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. It, oh. In his mind, 
everyone should constantly be enacting revenge fantasies. I don't even know if it's everyone. Well, I, I think also we never see Dan's parents. We never really get Good. the sense. There's a couple lines we get about them fighting all the time. And then we get the line about it's like where he Dan thinks he's going to die. It's like, well, I guess I'm finally going to go see grandma. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he clearly like got into fist fights with his own grandmother, and stole uh, the devil's listen, eggs recipe on her deathbed. The the, the grandma is a person. Mm-hmm. She's not a cat. She is worthy of vengeance, <laughs> even though she's dead. Yeah, like, that that didn't stop him from George Washington, did it? True. Um, I think he was convinced that George Washington was still alive. Unlike his well, but then oh. it turns out his ghost was doing things. But yeah. uh, again, that's because he makes things real. He manifests mm-hmm. targets. Um, he's like a he's like a mutant in that way. Like yeah. <laughs> he's he's got like some sort of X gene that like creates these phantasms so that he can have revenge. Um, Josh, I think uh, some of the some of the things that you've quoted so far indicate that like one of the reasons this show works is because the way that the dialogue is written draws you into his viewpoint yeah um he's very persuasive yeah yeah Yeah. do you have other like clear lines or or uh you know really just funny well-written stuff to to show how this show talks why do you i've got a i've got a couple if uh, if that's all right make sure i'm getting the syntax right on somebody's go for it (laughs) yeah go for it so um this kind of takes the form of one of two um avenues for the for the writing both of which is excellent the dialogue in this is top notch um they're trying to hunt the wolfman and he's trying to convince chris that it was a wolfman and could not have just been like a person or <laughs> right a, like or, or or an animal like why why is this why is this a wolfman because there's paw prints there's an animal shelter literally down the block well then why are there f- footprints there too what what are you saying that that the wolfman wears shoes? Well, yeah, he jogs. <laughs> what do you mean he jogs? He's an evil beast with an unsavory bloodlust. Of course he jogs. <laughs> right. There's there's lines like that that like he he kind of brings you into the argument. Like yeah. whether or not you wanted to be there, you can sort of see why Chris isn't able to say no. Um, one of my other favorite ones was one of those just. I love when they do this in Rick and Morty, too, where they just, like, they talk about modern living a little bit. They just, like, do some, like, pop culture shenanigans mm-hmm. or, like, talk about something very mundane. Um, when they're doing a stakeout, yeah. I think later in the same episode, and he's like, God, I hate coffee. Well, then why did you buy it? Because the bathrooms were paying customers only. <laughs> well, but why did you get coffee? Because we're in a stakeout. <laughs> you have to have coffee. <laughs> Duh. You don't have to drink it. Stop complaining about the coffee. It's donut stale. You don't have to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that like there's an unspoken thought process that he had to have gone through, but now yeah. that he has to verbalize it, he realizes it's totally flimsy, but he has to sell it cuz he can't be yeah. wrong. Yes. He can't be wrong, exactly. <laughs> it's it's really beautiful and well uh well observed. If Dan yeah. weren't angry, he would be like Again, it would be frightening if he weren't angry. You would be scared oh, yeah. of this guy. Like, he could be, like, a car salesman. He could be, you know, like, why is it dripping oil? That's just sweat. Like, he could convince you to buy a death trap. That's speed oil. You know. Let's go faster. <laughs> thank God he's angry. Thank, thank goodness he's, you know, angry, and we're able to detect that. Yeah. You know. 
Oh, uh, me? Fun lines? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got uh, some good well, again, I always like the simple stuff, but again, I think the, the one in Canada, I can't try to remember the exact syntax because I couldn't find it, but it's basically, is like, as far as I know, Canada is this. England and France had a baby out of wedlock, and then it grew up and ruined my car. <laughs> and we we also get the simple stuff which is in the again the santa I don't, this one stands out in my mind i love this one so much and i don't know why maybe it's because it's violence against children not really violence mm-hmm. but where dan has won at the end of the day, he's become the mall santa and he gives some sort of flowery glowy speech about how great christmas is and mm-hmm. it's like it's great to finally have a santa that truly cares this kid smells like pee shoves him off his knee <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one didn't work on me so good uh, that one, that one felt a little bit like too obvious. Like it, yeah. sometimes they they lead into jokes in a way that feels too obvious. Sometimes, yeah, they gotta feel uh, a lot. No, well, no, I, maybe I, not I the think physical the, stuff more so the you know the, the, that's that's the like the afterthought delivery of it all. Yeah. The, the, the that's the base layer. The joke of that is you could not imagine a worse mall Santa than this guy. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's the just, additional that's joke. selling the joke. The additional joke, which is the one I got out of it, was, like, he did not want this thing that he enacted revenge for. Mm-hmm. Like, right. this is the natural consequence of his revenge. He claims to have wanted it. He does not actually want this. <laughs> he gets the ray gun. At the end of the uh, Danvers Chris, he gets the ray gun, puts it under his mattress, due to a series of things that would take too long to go into, ends up getting mailed to Siberia, and mm-hmm. then... After all the stuff in his house has been hawked by Chris and sold... All he's got is this toy gun under his mattress with his lucky hand grenade, and then the hand grenade goes off. And yep. it's like, what do you get out of that? You don't get anything out at the end of the day. Even if even if you win, you get a plastic toy. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's important to delineate the way Dan thinks about his revenge to the way the show thinks about it. Because mm-hmm. like at the end of the Wolfman episode, he. By all accounts, he's gotten his revenge. He seems pleased. He seems like, yep, I did the thing that I needed to do. That's one off the list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it didn't cost him a dime. But none of us are satisfied. Right. We, like, we had all this buildup toward, like, a literal monster in, you know, wolf, wolf and wolven form. Uh, and now we're just going to leave that plot be to wither yeah. over there. We're, I, we're not going to do anything with it. I like this, the twist. I can think it's the twist that the wolf man is not is like a really large doughy man. Like he yeah, is he, less like, when he is not the wolf man, which is or I guess as more. soon as he transforms back to human form, mm. we're like, oh, can you not? Yeah. <laughs> can, you feel, can, and you kind of feel sorry for him at that point. Yeah, I, I wanted to have my revenge against this, this nameless, mm-hmm. you know, shape of a person. I didn't want it to be a guy. Yeah. Oh, but feelings. he does want revenge against guys, right? Well, he like, that, that's I immaterial know. to him. He's he's kind yeah. of no. He's kind of like he's kind of less biased than we are because like we yes. want revenge against the the concept of a wolf man. He's, but yeah. we're not okay with it being a person. It's all the same to him. It, yeah. It's because it's so egocentric. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't matter what the thing is on the other end of revenge. It's that he has been wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it could be the fact that like Pluto's no longer a planet. He's going to go out of his way. Yeah, to get that, and it doesn't matter. And again, he's an equal opportunity offender, which is something that we don't have anymore. Which is he does not care. All he cares, like it doesn't matter if you're a ninety year old grandmother or you know anything. If you wrong him, he will want revenge. It, it's, no- it's it's done in the way that like actually works, where it's like 
you know, somebody says like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll offend everybody. But it's like, oh, I'll punch everybody. But everybody means. Yeah, you're like punching nuns babies. and disabled children. But it also yeah. means like statues, like things that will like <laughs> a person who operates under this yeah. logic is like there's something horribly wrong with them. Yeah, they can't. They can't and they don't hide exist. <laughs> no, they can't exist. Right. Like, yeah. The, the person who is like the quote unquote equal opportunity offender. First of all, everyone's got unconscious biases. Let's yeah. not pretend like that's not true. I'll agree yeah. that. But also look at the natural conclusion to being an equal opportunity <laughs> offender. He he swears revenge on time. Yeah. Like it, 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 you can't. It, it you makes can't no exist difference. Like this, it, it, him him swearing revenge against people and abstract concepts alike is is in his brain equivalent. It's honestly a little yeah. refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's pure. It's undiluted. That's the thing, and that's also like one of the things. I think it's in Wild West Town where he like long story falls and lands on a cactus. He writes down in his list, whoever planted this cactus. Not the cactus. No, it's like... <laughs> it could have been the cactus. The cactus like, is blameless. He's got no problems fucking up a bunch of plants. Mm. Like, you can't spell cactus without cat. It's, that's or actually, amoral. <laughs> maybe plants can't be worthy of revenge in the same way that cats can't. Yeah. So like, he has to find a causal link to an actual person that can experience sorrow. But again, well, yeah, a but, person did not put a cactus there. Yeah. <laughs> He'll and find a way. A did, person will a person did put a cactus there because he has envisioned it. Somewhere mm-hmm. someone in the world planted a cactus and the minute he sees a video of somebody planting a cactus, it's on, bitch. <laughs> that, it's that guy? Yeah. Um let's 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 move to, to let's uh let's let's move from that to um one of the other parts that I think is a real triumph of the show. Uh the animation yeah, specifically, so this... the great environmental humor. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was all done in uh, Flash, mm-hmm. um, which you know, sign of the time, twenty ten. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's when you use it. Uh, it kind of works. It gives too. everybody it gives everybody a fluidity, but then also emphasizes the like jerky like nature of Dan himself. Like the fidgety energy he has comes mm-hmm. through. Yeah. yeah, he's constantly shaking his fists and like doing like either glares or like a wide open. Like, he's doing the lazy eye from uh, from from Five Goes West. Mm-hmm. Um, he, like he, he's do, he does like a lot of like just angered and strained facial expressions with a lot of manic energy. Yeah. Um, I really like the environmental incidental humor. We've talked about this many times where like things will just be labeled impossible things in the background and it will be very funny. Mm -hmm. They really committed to that bit in this. Yeah. You got some examples. Chris's car, his, the license plate, the vanity license plate says pushover. Yep. Um, the, when he, when he goes and tracks the Wolfman to his home, there's a brief pan across shot of the Wolfman's home. There's like a water cooler with a dog dish under it. There's a <laughs> plate of dog food on a table with like a fork and napkin and everything next to it. Um, my favorite one is when he's planning revenge against someone, he goes to his dresser. His dresser has four drawers. They're all labeled shirts, socks, cleaner socks, revenge. <laughs> <laughs> And the part of that that is the funniest to me is cleaner socks. 
<laughs> you just move it from one cabinet to the next, depending on yeah. the day. Well, I think the he moves them higher up to get to the less clean socks. <laughs> I have a horrible joke that I'm not going to make it, so go ahead. The the scene is always rife with these little with these little jokes, yeah. and there's also really good continuity in the scenes. Mm-hmm. There's an episode when they're going to the um to the to the uh, high school reunion where Dan shows up at his place, says, "Put your fingerprints on this bowling ball." What do you need that for? That's between me and the Department of Agriculture. Puts the bowling ball in a plastic bag, puts it on the sofa, and then they follow the plot to somewhere else because it's just a throwaway joke. That bowling ball is in the whole scene. <laughs> and, like, it's multiple shots from different angles. You oh, you can always see that bowling ball. I, I It's like a pet peeve of mine is when objects disappear yeah, yeah, when they yeah. are no longer part of the scene. And they don't do that here. It's one of the few advantages of this kind of... is you have more to work with in terms of an ability to not have to do again hand painted cells there's only so much you can yeah. do yeah but, um, if you already added the assets they're already there speaking of background jokes do you guys remember what Dan's favorite show was called oh I don't know Dan's favorite show again it gets interrupted which is one of the reasons why he takes revenge on I think it was reality television his favorite show and comic book is called Population Control Johnny <laughs> that's just a great name right there and they that never show population control johnny we have no like but again just that name you're like i wonder yeah. if that's a reference to johnny uh, the homicidal maniac the, yeah the jean and vasquez uh yeah. graphic novel that's series. that's where my mind went i but yeah man what a what a what a cursed phrase it's really good <laughs> there's a couple other characters who come back but i'm guessing no one uh did we see could we want to talk a little bit about Elise? No, do we not care? We didn't even um, say Paget Brewster. It, it is Paget Brewster, which yeah. is again great voicing. But I honestly didn't find. I wanted to find more about her character because, like, but I think we already solved it in our head canons that it's oh, it's government. The the show like, is so much the government, Dan, makes, they, yeah, and everything else is so secondary that it's like. It, it's it's as useful to Dan as it is to us. Well, she's a functional part of the show because it gives us a human connection that Dan is forced by circumstance to have on a regular basis that he can't push around, and that's important. True. Yeah. That, it's the it's um, also but, the one person that won't yeah. take his crap. Like even yeah, you know, exactly. Other than that cop, you know. Yeah. Um, I was wondering. Just I'm sure you know about this, Josh. Is there there's a men. In, in his, like, little, like, revenge book, mm-hmm. in the first episode, it says Ted. And I'm like, oh, Ted talks. That makes sense. And then in the second episode, the name Ted is uttered. Mm-hmm. Who is Ted? <laughs> uh, I think Ted may have been one of those things that they thought, okay, well, eventually we will meet Dan's other friends or allude to Dan's other friends. But he can't just have... kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, as they he realize that they don't friends. need more yeah. than three characters in this show to make it he's, work. I mean, he's a—it's kind of the Sherlock formula. He gets a Watson, and that is the only person who will deal with him. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has the patience. Yeah, we never meet Ted. Good. I, I kind of like him better as this ethereal he'll phantom have his of day. Chris's past. A couple of, re- of recurring characters, and I'll—I'll I'll be brief. We have yeah. uh, his one true love, Hortense, who is the. Uh, yeah, she's like the 19-year-old who works at the local burger, uh, restaurant who has braces who talks like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did not hear her. Yeah, and she, well, she ends up, again, and she's like super, like, wow, you're so cool after he threatens revenge on the burger restaurant. Uh, but then she ends up married to, uh, the guy Ona. And this is like the one time we see Dan 
actually kind of angry. It's like the one love of his life is leaving him. And well, I'm not super comfortable with him making goo goo eyes at a 19 year old. I, th- I think she, I don't think I'm she actually is a 19 year old, but just she's when I take her off the table, maybe it's just like she's a really, really incompetent. Tw- I think she's older. I think I may be <laughs> misremembering my head, but she does. Yeah, she the revenge adds 10 years. Yeah, I do think she's supposed to implicate the implication is that she's supposed to be someone who's going nowhere in life more so than she's young. I think. I don't think okay. her age is ever given in the same way that Dan's age is never given, but you just kind of infer. He's, he's absolutely 32. I, his age is, I can't he's imagine. too old to be that young. I guess this is the yeah. awkward <laughs> point where I say that I just turned 32, so. Mazel tov. I don't know what that means because I'm not Jewish. <laughs> I mean, means good luck, man. <laughs> oh. They, no, they banned I'll Duolingo. Yeah. Oh. Not allowed to learn other languages anymore. What does that mean? (laughs) Who's they? (laughs) Dan. Uh, Deep. Uh, That fucking bird. (laughs) The big government conspiracy to make sure that interpreters always have work. Uh, We get... I I like that one. We get get, uh, the guy who is... Looks like Dan and tries to steal Dan's identity because I can't remember why. It was something like... Dan Dan was in such a... I don't think that the causal nature of the show needs to be explored it's cool it was something like dan's <laughs> life is so crappy that he's got nowhere to go for up so why not steal it something weird like that we have that's yeah i don't know about that one guys and then we have elise's <laughs> family which is her dad again her parents are played by uh meredith baxter bernie and uh, michael gross who were the parents on uh, family ties so because oh, i guess okay. that uh someone who worked on the show had worked with them on family ties and her yeah. dad is like this big silver fox guy who's kind of muscular, clearly works out every day, and he runs a cupcake restaurant or a cupcake store. And Fine. her mother, I don't remember what the cover is, but it turns out that one of the reasons why Elise is so badass ninja is because her mother is secretly a mob boss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's. I, and then there's also I, her emo brother who I fan I'll be honest. Yeah. I think that Elise having family is kind of subtractive well we it would have been subtractive if like we met chris's family or dan's family for that matter i think elise having family is she's far enough away from the action to where we can have it but not have it impeded so much in the fact it doesn't take us out of the immersion of dan and chris sort of being timeless but it doesn't inner like i I think zane i think you're right is like it the, the show needs to really revolve around dan once we hit the once we hit those couple of degrees of separation from Dan, I, I'm kind of out of it. I, the, I, I um, saw, I saw, you know, Elise's parents in an episode, but no more so than I saw George Washington's ghost in the George yeah. Washington yeah. episode. Like, and also over the course of a, a whole with, show, you're going to have plenty of side characters, but the mm-hmm. show, the 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 gravitational pull of Dan and yeah. his antics is so strong here. It is. I, yeah. I could. Barely even muster the attention for Chris or Elise. Oh, there's a yeah, yeah. same. I was kind of I didn't want Chris almost <laughs> most of the time. And like, here's the problem with in a show like this of having Elise's parents around is Elise's parents do not have a personal connection to Dan. They can't. Right. They have a personal connection to Chris, and that's not interesting. They do eventually <laughs> develop a connection with Dan, which is they hate him as much as they hate their uh, they hate Chris. But does he uh, seek revenge? But, yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, does, does he start? Does he build a tunnel to China to to stop them in some way? He, they, again, uh, yeah, because that's I think trying the first one. Family camping trip, I think, is the first one. He tries to take revenge there by ruining the camping trip. 
Now, bear in mind, Elise's parents are trying to get like get Chris eaten by a bear, and they bring in Elise's old boyfriend, who's much more competent than Chris. Uh, which maybe that's a thing. Yeah. Of, like they're trying to handicap her with something. I don't know. It's, Ask it's, your grandparents. It's. Tricky. I can imagine the show but, needing like the variety of having multiple, yeah, you know, yeah. recurring characters, but. Yeah, I, I'm kind of more of a the critic approach to this, which is just as long as I'm watching Jay Sherman, I'm happy as a clam. Like, here's, yeah. here's the other thing: that. as long the more other characters that have agency and like plans that can happen, the less that Dan's failures are dependent on Dan, mm-hmm. and that sort of undercuts what the show is doing. Yeah, there's there's more variables. Right. Like, hey, his failure should only ever be because he reached too far in his revenge. Or at yeah. all. Yeah. He should never <laughs> have started. Just go yeah. back to bed, buddy. Just good. go back to bed. Yeah. The other the other thing about like introducing multiple new characters is that we're invariably going to have them wanting things, having motivations of sorts. And we're already pretty topped off on the absurdity antics. Like, even Paget Brewster's character being a secret agent ninja was kind of pushing it, right? Like, I, I like how it informs why Chris is allowed to be the way that he is, is because it affords her, like, a good alibi. I like that. But, like, the the insanity coming specifically from Dan interacting with the world is is appealing to me. If, like, I don't like the idea that it's just the setting, if, that, if they didn't have a reason that Elise was just sometimes a ninja, I don't think I would have minded at all. Yeah. I, okay. I would have just accepted it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do feel like I need well, some... Well, you, you yeah. watched all of it, so I, I'm yeah. imagining it's different for you. Sorry, I mean, well, I, but I also watched though. it while it was airing, so I bear in mind I don't have the luxury of already knowing how it's going to end when I watched yeah. it the first time, like I do sure. now. Um, I think it's important because we sort of need to, to know... Because at a certain point, you're like, okay, why do you put up with Dan? Why do you put up with... Like, Chris can't be that great. Like, mm. why are you willing to put up with this? And to have it be that she's with this covert agency and she can't really get away from that and she has all this stuff, it sort of makes you understand why and how she is able to put up with Dan. Gotcha. Without that, I, yeah. don't, I, without that, I think you would you'd sort of lose the immersion of just be like, just... Just well, shove him out your car one day. Don't hang out with this guy. You're you're talking about it in terms of logistics. Like, why are these things happening? I'm kind of you mean it, more oh, okay. referring to it on like a tonal level of like, I yeah. the 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 interest to me of Dan's character is is like just this 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 confidence and ambition pushes him beyond the bounds of mere mortals and like that invites chaos and fantasy and all sorts of nonsense um and her also being kind of beyond the bounds of mere mortals it 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 dilutes that somewhat or it draws focus like i'm I'm just not pleased that i don't know how it would look if we didn't have an elise to also have agency beyond dan but i can't help but feel like it it, it's a distraction. I think you worded what I was trying to say better than what I worded, which is the problem I have with the adult animation, which is just, it's a crazy world, and it just, if, if Dan doesn't work, if Dan's in a crazy world, I mean, there's, it's a word where crazy mm. things happen, but it's not a world where people are like, oh yeah, a dinosaur's running around. Like, the problem I have with 
Do I want to name drop and make shame on shows? Yeah, what the hell? I didn't like the show. Uh, one of the problems I had with the Napoleon Dynamite cartoon. Uh, or Are or, you going to find defenders of the Napoleon Dynamite cartoon out Gar- in the wild? Lane said he liked it. Lane said he he wanted that to go and Bob's Burgers to get canceled. Gary, you haven't been on the show in a while. Yeah, I think. you got to defend yourself. Okay, fine. <laughs> Duncanville was the other one where it's like they're in this world where it's just it's Dunkin already insane. Everywhere. And it's like, up, oh, worry about that. And it's like, but like, it, it just feels so much in this formula. And again, we're saying adult animation, which is not correct because remember, guys, Dan versus is a family show that airs on a family channel that families can watch together. <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, sure. adult animation, all kind of at this point, sort of feels like to the point where it's like we had The Simpsons, we had King of the Hill, we had Family Guy, we had Futurama, and then at some point, it's like they all morphed together away from what they were and became the same show. Yeah. I don't know if I agree on that. I, I feel like <clears throat> we've had emergent help. adult animation experiences or uh, emergent family animation experiences well, beyond that. Maybe most of the mainstream ones yeah. are all kind of you yeah. know feeding from the same trough. Th- this, is, this came right as it was turning, right? Right as a new wave of adult animation that mm-hmm. was different and was trying new things, as well as some more formulaic stuff. But this show scratched an itch that you couldn't really get anywhere else, at least at the time. But because it so heavily emphasizes the same thing, I think that if you watch it front to back, there's not a, a lot of other places to go. And so... um I, I, I don't think it could have continued past it, this, and I don't think it really had anything more to say after after a point. It also feels safe, I think, for me, which yeah. again I don't I know I don't know if you guys like Married with Children or not. Is or like even then like the uh, and I I say Married with Children and the Brady Bunch are the same show, and you're gonna go, what the hell do you mean by that? <laughs> like no, they're not. Like yes, they are. It's about a group of people. Stuff happens for 24... 24- I, I don't know why you assumed that we would argue on this. <laughs> Stuff like, happens... Okay, I want to see where he's going with this. <laughs> Stuff happens, they're a family, and the problem is resolved at the end of the 22 minutes. Nobody dies, nobody gets gunned down, nobody's reminded about the horribleness in the world. It's just 22 minutes when I can turn off my brain and just laugh. And that's, mm, I think, sure. a big problem now with a lot of stuff is... And you could have a point, but then it's like now where, again, the, the did you guys ever watch the game show Taskmaster? Oh, I love Taskmaster. I love Taskmaster. Taskmaster UK. Yeah, Zane, Zane turned me on to that. Okay. Yes, of course, Taskmaster But you never UK. watched Taskmaster US, I hope. I tried, man. I tried. Uh, yeah, and that's the, that's the problem is it's got to <laughs> no, be. I'm not a vagrant. It's got to be, because it's on Comedy Central, it's got to be impeach Trump when you press the button. It's like, that's not funny. You're just saying that because you want to galvanize people. That that also, I don't think that's because you want to galvanize people. I think that our, there's, there's two possibilities here. One is that the work has a stance and it communicates it. The other is that the work has a stance, communicates it and is preachy. The second Mm. I think is artistically bereft and the former doesn't necessarily have to be. But neither of them really get my goat in terms of actual, like, I don't want to be... The problem is the craft. Every, every, well, yeah, it's a problem of craft, not of purpose. Like, bias is going to hate me from every work, from every walk of life. You need but, to be grounded in 
you, you need to have a. Me- I don't know. Well, you, I, I, I don't. I, 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 I can't. I, feel I can't like walk we're that far road enough around, and I feel like I need right. to start wrapping up soon. Sorry, to, yes. I know that this is like so, something. Oh, a conversation I, that's yeah. hard to have, but also like I gotta. We gotta move on. Okay. Well, but, much yeah. like Dan versus like we we it probably is a conversation with no end yeah. and to no purpose other get, than anger. I can't get revenge on. On a, on concept, so there you go. I'll there, <laughs> I got to do that, and then I'll eventually have to get re- con- revenge on all shows. Um, one theme that we didn't touch on that I think is integral to this show is mm. how important friendship is, because Dan <laughs> and Chris is the ultimate friendship in that the ride or die. They're absolutely always there for each other. You know, Chris they're, is they're like the, the worst friends I've ever seen. You could make an argument that they shouldn't be there for each other. Chris, no, I don't think they are even there for each other. Uh, like, I, like, <laughs> like I was smiling. saying earlier with Dante and um, Randall, like mm-hmm. they're they're poison for each other. We they they are they are adherent poison. Like they 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 bring out the worst in each other, and neither one can quit the other one. Like it's and it, it like it's a lot like Ed and Eddie. Like they 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 would be way better if they stopped following Eddie around, but they can't. Right. What would happen? He's too charismatic. Well, what would happen if Dan didn't... That's not friends, though. What would happen if <laughs> Dan didn't explain no, I think people. it's the ultimate form of friendship in that Chris is always going to be there for Dan, and Dan is always going to be there for Chris when it's convenient for him. And, there, you know, we all... We all... Problem. You know, that's there. friendship that I think exists on a level that, you know, I don't know. I'm not willing to bury a body for you guys, but I think we're good enough friends. <laughs> I I um, I recoil yeah. at the notion of being a friend to anyone in the way that they are friends to each other. Oh uh, wow! This it's is... it's just so heartlessly exploitative, or you know, browbeaten. Uh, I don't think that there's actual emotions behind. Did it. you ever see Throw Mama from the Train? Uh, I, I did. I witness it. The I heard about it in YouTube. the papers. The movie. No, the 1987 <laughs> movie. Directed by Danny. I, I did not. It's basically just Danny. It's basically strangers on a train, but comedic. <laughs> but Danny DeVito's and there. Danny DeVito is basically confiding in Billy Crystal how horrible his mother is, and is trying to convince him to throw her from the train. It's right there in the title. Uh, right. That you know, and is a great yeah, segue to wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friendship stance. Once we're done, that I want to talk because there's a song I want you because you didn't put in on enough songs when we did Robot Jones. There's only one song you have to use in this episode. Okay. I didn't realize we had a quota, yeah. asshole. No, I, I realized we had a quota. <laughs> That's my bad. Hi, hi there, Benjamin. My name's Josh. I don't think we've met. <laughs> Fairly sure. not. What, what what song do you want? We can okay, put it in as so, a closer because uh, I couldn't well, find the intro to this anyway. I want to leave. Doesn't have yeah, one. I want to leave this in here. Uh, okay, leave this in because this I think is a thing. Do you guys know the song "That's What Friends Are For" by Dionne Warwick? And no, okay. maybe. Oh, that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah, because it goes like bam, bam. Just like that? No. Okay, I'm it's, thinking of something yeah. like ragtime. This No, no, no. This is like... So, this is a... I may never get a chance to tell the story because I love the story. Did you guys ever play the Simpsons video game? Not the arcade game, the one that came out in 2007? Okay, Nuh-uh. there's a parody... Oh! You you mean Bart's Nightmare? No, no, no it's just run. called the Simpsons game. Oh. This one's just called the Simpsons oh. game. And nope. there's a level that's a parody of Grand Theft Auto. Mm. And Marge is trying to clean up Grand Theft Auto and make it a because she's the because video game violence was a big issue at the time. Marge right. is trying to clean it up. And one of the things you have to do to clean up is you have to go to the hardcore rap station and you have to do some stuff to transform it into a soft rock 
you know, light station. That's kind of clever, and yeah. the first time I play this game, this song comes on, and it's singing, you know, this schmaltzy song, like, keep smiling, keep shining, that's what friends are for. You can always listen to it, and you'll go, oh my god, Josh was right, this is schmaltzy. And mm-hmm. when I heard that, I thought, this is clearly a song that they have made for this game. There's no way this is a real song. <laughs> And then I'm looking at the credits and I see that's what friends are for under license. But wait, this is a real song. It's a real song. Not only is it a real song, I look it up. This song was the number one best-selling song of 1986. Think about that when you listen to this. Just think this outsold the Run DMC. Yeah, uh, I feel like a Aerosmith. lot of things were happening in 1986 musically. This outsold. Uh, Foreigner, this outsold. What else happened? This outsold Whitney Houston. This outsold Janet Jackson. You're just like this was the best song of 1986. What? And, and you love it, absolutely. Is, is what I'm saying, absolutely, because okay. of how schmaltzy it is. And it's in Dan it's, verses, or yeah. is this? I just, I just no, have to put in a song. It's applicable because I always wanted someone to make a music video with that song of Dan and Chris hanging out together, just and, showing him like yeah. pushing Chris into like manhole covers, yeah. like into pipes. That's yeah, a, yeah that's the friends of four. That, that, that could be good. Yeah, uh, you, they're leave, not friends. Leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, maybe I'm, you just I'm need to expand your definition to include abuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that would do it. That'd honestly, be, that's a you problem. <laughs> yeah. that's Semantics. A me problem. Can I can I also say just because we're on the music bid um, yeah. during the uh, high school uh, reunion episode, mm-hmm. they play a ton of not quite the '80s hits you yeah. remember <laughs> because we don't have the rights that's to those really songs. Good. I'll always but, love that. Yeah, it's you should check it out. I think you will be pleasantly surprised. They they can't play Eagles songs. It's impossible to clear them. So to the point where CBS actually commissioned a song called Supercharger that is not quite Life in the Fast Lane, but just close <laughs> enough. It's yeah, again, music rights are always fun. We're dancing for safety. You can also mm. dance with us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I think that is more or less Dan versus Dan versus is great. Fun. It's it's <laughs> really fun. Yeah, I don't um, think you've brought us much that's bad. Actually, <laughs> you've Robot got Jones. I, didn't, I didn't love. I forgot about Word Robot Girl. Jones. I, I recognize World Word Girl was good, but I didn't love it. And then yeah, Robot Robot Jones was rough. I, All right, you're, like, you're, I, you're that's what I like. Good. I told you that's what I like about having you on is because sometimes it's just going to be. Something that I would not have seen Never and is valuable, <laughs> and even again, though I no get an ulcer. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I have the widest range of anyone. That, I mean, I, granted, I think I've been on as much or at more than anybody else, but I think I have you, the widest range. Whereas yeah. Nick tends to have, and Gary tends to have, and everybody tends to have kind of a theme. <laughs> they have a I've type. got education. I've got parody you're, detective you're deliberately show. drawing yeah. from different networks. You you are like the the. Yeah cartoon savant equivalent to dan's historical knowledge which you know there are times where i've wanted to take revenge on film roman show notes i don't know who uh, this was produced by is. film roman they did the garfield specials and then they produced simpsons after uh, okay. season three ah those saints um <laughs> anyway that was dan versus Yay. check it out it's great um josh do you have anything exciting to tell us about yes first of all uh, again, I do own more than one shirt, but I wanted to point out that I finally, I finally met Olmec. Oh, oh, nice! That's yeah, sick. I saw your, um, yeah. I saw your post on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, did you guys watch the new Legends of the Hidden Temple? 
No, not yet. Yeah, it's absolute shit. Yeah, I yeah. kind of assumed you would think yeah. that no matter what. I Well, again, I remember someone... I, I knew it was going to be shit when I read the contestant application. Not joking. That was mine. Like, this is going to suck. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make a video at some point that explains to idiots why the reboot was terrible. But anyway, you want to know about the big thing, which is the fact that I... Last year, and again, I think you guys remember this, or I hope you do, which is I called you when the streets of Tokyo. Well, yes. Yeah, I was on in, an empowered it, episode. We're like, we can't use this audio. <laughs> I, again, I just, well, again, I didn't want to. I just wanted to be impressive. Like, I really am in Tokyo. The guy who never travels anywhere, the guy who, again, hadn't been on a plane. I hadn't been on a plane in like 20 years. Uh, yeah, and with like mm -hmm. a 10 hour time difference. Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing in... It was really yeah. something. What are you doing in Japan, Josh? What are you doing? I went on a Japanese game show. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's awesome. They, they made a new Takeshi's Castle, and last year they announced it in March, and I'm like, well, this is interesting, and you can apply. And so I applied, <laughs> thinking full well they would say, wow, it's so cool that you have this, but sorry, we can't have you. You don't live here, and you don't speak our language that well. I... I, I filled out the application form and said you have to pick a residential in japan i gave them my address and i just picked a random prefecture and it <laughs> went through and i'm like and i got an email that said generic thing and i'm like they sent this email to everybody that says okay you've made it past the first they sent this to everybody and i do an interview with i schedule an interview for like 11 p.m i hire an interpreter again you guys know me this I go is an part. insane story yeah, it gets this more insane, insane you are done. so yeah. you are so I, the more time goes yeah. on, the more I realize you are Dan. I hired an interpreter. <laughs> I go into the interview thinking full well they're going to say, you cannot bring an interpreter. <laughs> they go, okay. And I guess, again, because I can make out enough Japanese to know that they were saying, okay, I guess that's fine. This I, guy's got moxie. <laughs> I do this interview with the producer and with the staff, and they're speaking kind of in English. My interpreter is doing this stuff. And my interpreter is like, do the trick, do the trick, do the trick. And I'm like, okay, which I'll do the trick with you guys. Uh, so there were 133 episodes of Takeshi's Castle. Quick, pick a number between 1 and 133. <laughs> uh, 76. Episode 76. Let's see. That was the episode. Um, let's see. Okay, what games were played in the episode? You have um, Kokyo no Perfection, Daichi Tori Day, Akamo no Yakata, uh, Animaru Dokan, Jiue no Kabe, uh, Kimi mo Uno Kun, Moate Beachy Boys on the Garuzu game. Uh, in that exact order, the Fighting Spirit prizes went to a contestant who caught a baseball in between the glove uh, during Yukimi uh, Mo-Unakun. Uh, the second one went to a guy who fell down a slope all the way down in this game that they played one time. And the third one went to someone in a cart battle, and it aired, I believe, on January 22nd, 1988. And they said, they said, you know this show better than we do. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. This is this is scary. Yeah. yeah, you're like the Unabomber for game shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Again, and again, this and again, the only reason I did this, I thought I want them to know who I am, so maybe I can get in the door at some point, yeah, so that yeah. they can use me for something in the future. Of oh, course, use you for documentary stuff. Because of course they're not going to have me on the show. It's ridiculous. They're not do gonna, a case study yeah, on this man. They, they can't. And again, it very much feels like a okay. Thank you. We'll be in touch. We get yeah, off, yeah. and my interpreter says they said they want you. <laughs> And I'm like, what? That's incredible. It, yeah. it, was it you and everybody else was native Japanese? <laughs> Is that how it played out? In the, you mean in the interview or you mean in the when I was in there? The in the show. No, well, again, I was on Team Gaijin, Team Foreigner. So we were, so oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody uh, hears foreigners. But here's the thing, though. 
Team Gaijin. But you're the great. most foreigner. <laughs> uh, here's me. Every other person in this photo lives in Japan. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, I am the only person. That's, that's the... Yeah, and when I, again, I can't say a whole lot. I can't say, like, what games I play, because I want you to watch the show, because it will air. I cannot wait to it, see this. Yeah, this it is going to be awesome. It will air in America at some point on Amazon Prime. Amazing. And one of the great things about being there, and I've got a bunch of stories. I can't tell them all. Don't have enough time. One of the great things. I'll, yeah. I'll try not to look at your just a massive erection during the entire <laughs> show. I, I act like an idiot, and I go, because, again, I didn't speak Japanese very well, but. And, and we all had numbers on. Everybody had a number mm-hmm. because to keep track of us. And I'm like, what's your number? Well, let me tell you uh, the episode that corresponds to the number you have. And half of the people absolutely did not give a crap. Okay. I came here to be on a game show, not to hear foreign boy list names of games. <laughs> the other half looked at me and thought, oh, my God, this guy's real. This is not an actor that we hired to be this guy. This, this is not, really is. This is not a high tech yeah. robot hooked up to Wikipedia. This, this, is, this that's guy. The same reaction I have every time I talk to this you. This guy somehow, despite the fact that he doesn't speak our language, does not live in our country, and has never been here before, somehow knows more about the show than we do. Thank God we found him. Thank God we were able to get him here because we're never going to find another guy like this ever again. This is going to be incredible TV. I'm I'm just glad that you've decided to use your powers for good. Well, right. You're a do-gooder in the Heroes Wiki. If I hadn't got on the show, then there might have been some evil. But um, and it came close to happening a few times because COVID was rampant at the time. Oh, yeah. And I'm so glad that you did not declare revenge on glorious Nippon. Well, they, they, this is, that's, this is awesome. That's, I'm very happy for you. I can't wait to see that. Uh, that's unreal, man. One one last note. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. They did a preview special that's 45 minutes long and it's talking about a lot of things. It's also profiling contestants and I got a full minute. Dude. (laughs) That's awesome. And, uh, so look for me on Takeshi's Castle when it airs. I hope to have a, uh. Big minute, and I would say that out of the shithole that was last year, that was two of the three best days of my life. Somehow ended up happening in that year, and the That's other, the third, the third day is okay. Now I know why I'm alive today. I'll tell you that later because it's really, Ooh. it's really oh. schmaltzy. Well, is that, it we'll have to get that on your next. <laughs> we'll have to get that on your next appearance. Uh, we should definitely do some wrap up. Yes. Uh, so Ben. Uh, what do we yes. do? What are we watching next time? You said it at the beginning. We already watched it. We already did the re- episode. Describe oh, it. Oh, with the Descri- with the with the with the with the with with um with uh it's always sunny, Luigi. The <laughs> yeah, Gary that's Coleman right. show. No, yeah, uh, that's correct. <laughs> okay. you're making the this Gary harder than it needs to be. Show. <laughs> the so uh we are are going to watch or talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yes, uh, which we saw the first day of its release and immediately podcast about it, and it, we did yeah. it in person. Uh, and I was grinning the whole time and pointing emphatically at the screen. In yeah, so uh, listen in for that yeah. if you want to hear takes that were relevant the day of. Because <laughs> by now the internet's already kind of gone back and forth through it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they're probably over it the way they are over everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, we had a lot of fun gonna clip in all as much good music as i can should be good mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh and zane what about after that after that we have real life dan mm-hmm. versus axe cop because uh yeah. we're gonna, uh hopefully uh the time it works out dan will come on and uh we're gonna talk about axe cop because 
Because Axe Cop right. is a family show that airs on a family network <laughs> that families can family watch together. Show. It's a show about a cop with an axe. I Ch- really appreciate you seeding the ground for your eventual political run, Josh. I love the bit. I think it's a great bit. <laughs> I'm not smart. And like Dan, thank God Dan never ran for politics. I'm not smart enough to get into office. He might. He can't without, mandate you know. revenge in politics. I am smart enough to know that I can do better than cable programmers, though. Because I saw oh. the streaming revolution coming. Ah. <laughs> and you did nothing. Of course yeah, not. Yeah, you didn't tell I us so about it. Cable. Of course not. I was like, screw you, Viacom. You've been effing with my shows for years. Look at what you did to the, the Legends of Back to the Future, where the guy knows exactly where all the trends are going, but doesn't use it for financial fraud. He just uses it to yell at cable yeah. companies. Let's, let's yeah. all of us screw Viacom. And on that note, uh, Ben, <laughs> let's, let's uh, close out. Yep. Uh, thank you for coming on, Josh. Yes. Very much appreciated. And this episode was great. Uh, if you, if the audience out there in that little world of ours wants to uh, comment on either Super Mario Brothers, the movie, or X-Cop, they can go to the CartonCast at fancybat.com slash CartonCast, where we have our contact page. You can suggest a show or talk about shows in general or remark on how you think how you think we're doing? How the I got on the show. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> so friend, um, you can go to you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It really helps us out and it validates our existence. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Josh, uh, any Dan versus relevant zingers to close this out with? Yeah. Do you have any uh, revenge that you'd like to just like put out into the? In the world. Let's see. I want to get revenge on the Legends of the Hidden Temple reboot. I want to get, oh, he's got a list. get revenge, of course, on Barry Gibb. He's been doing me wrong for years. I need to get revenge. I, I need to get revenge on my personal demons. I need to get revenge on actual demons. I need oh. to get revenge on dwarfism. <laughs> Not people afflicted with dwarfism, the actual condition of dwarfism. Like Gimli. Uh, oh. I need to get revenge on, let's see here, the people that made shoelaces that aren't long enough. And of course, the ultimate person oh, that yeah. I need to get revenge on. People who made shoelaces that are too long. <laughs> we all know we all hair. I need to get revenge on Mary Kate Olsen. <laughs> Actually, you're cool. She knows what she did. You